This podcast is brought to you by Doghouse Systems. Get the best performance for your value with these high-end, powerful gaming computers. Whether you need a lightweight laptop or a robust desktop, Doghouse has you covered. Go to www.doghousesystems.com to see which system fits your needs today. Seriously, seriously, Del Rio dropping bombs on us. Fucking less every player should. You now tuned in to Garnet well, Lee, we can confirm. Jeff Kanata and Brian Leahy, yep, yep. discussing games that you want to play, and even tell you the ones to stay away from and what you've been playing, and yeah, we read the threads and everything you're saying, from the warning to listen to feedback, we love to see how you're going to react, we bring the whimsy, we're more fun than good, have you tried sucking less every game or should, and if you have a problems, cannot afford a game, then you ain't listening, only yourself to blame. It's blasphemy, but somebody had to say it. So I made a track, wrote the lyrics, and I laid it. It's still real, had some time to burn. But right now, Weekend's Confirmed. Rad. That was rad. Welcome to Weekend Confirmed. Good morning. 200! 200. Episode 200, Garnet. I know, 200. We did it. We, <laughs> we got we here. We did it. I feel like we should be holding one of those banners. We, we did, did it. it. Wait, who says we aren't? <laughs> Two bills. There you go, everybody. I'm Garnet Lee. That is Jeff Kanata right there. Man, 200. That's that. That's an old school throwback jam from Del Rio to start things off. That was very unexpected. I, I love how you out, did that, dude. The shout out to Leahy, who started yeah. it all off with us very 200 nice. long episodes ago. Mar- wow. March of 2010. We were so young and innocent then. Oh, it was a beautiful time. Look, we'll do some, we will do some nostalgia, but we have lots of current world stuff to get to. First of all, the rest of us here at the table, Andrew Yoon from Shack News here at the far end of the table. Howdy, everyone. And his, uh, his partner at Shack News, Ozzy. Hey, everyone. How you doing? How are you doing, sir? Doing great. Great to have you both <laughs> here as well. All right. Uh, what do we have on the show today? Well, we have quite a bit. There's... You know, financial stirrings to catch up on. We have uh, a lot of uh, blood in the water around Nintendo. The sharks are circling. We, let's not be sharks, but we, obviously lots to uh, discuss there. Well, the vultures the- haven't. The vultures are, you know, warming up. I think. It's Look, do you want say. sharks or vultures? There's only one animal reference. There's only room for <laughs> well, one animal well, reference. Well, do in you the want show. land or sea? It all depends on whether you're a land well, or sea guy. Well, you know, Nintendo had their blue ocean strategy, so I there think we should go. definitely go go Blue's stick with fine. the. There's only two kinds of people in this world: <laughs> land and sea. <laughs> yeah, and in honor of the 200th episode, Garnet. We, you and I are going to list our 200 top games in oh, order. Well, excellent. That's great. I'm glad I'm prepared for so I that. I hope people are ready for that list. So uh, starting with number 200. <laughs> 200 is... Oh. I'm going to be careful not to say anything, even on Jess, because then we'll be like, that's 200? God, <laughs> suck. The worst yeah, list no, ever. Uh, so let me have some games to play. We got some nostalgia. We've got some uh, questions from you guys who did some great contributions. So lots to get into. Uh, I think we will waste no time because there is, uh, you know, obviously a finite amount of time, even for show number 200 to get going here. Let's talk about this Nintendo development late uh, last night in North America, uh, early mo- Friday morning in Japan. Yeah. Nintendo gave its financial report, and it was, well, there's no two ways around it. It was pretty dire. 
Yeah, the uh, initial their initial uh, estimate of or you know target for nine million Wii U's got moved down, re reshuffled, reestimated down to two point nine. Is that what it is? Two point eight. Two point eight. That's a pretty substantial drop. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I mean so. You know, obviously for us as gamers, that is particularly troubling. The bigger picture is going from a, you know, a tidy profit estimate to a, oh my God, we're going to actually have a loss. Is Actually, I think before we even get to that, I think uh, the interesting thing about the projection is that that's actually fewer we used than they sold in the previous uh, fiscal year, which was a partial year because remember we launched in right. the holiday yeah. So with less time, they were able to sell more consoles than in the second year where they had an entire year right. with games like Mario 3D World. And they, they're actually anticipating to sell fewer consoles in the, in the current fiscal year. Right. And so the reason, that I, the reason that I just wanted to go ahead and bring up the monetary part of the equation is that as upsetting as the physical hardware is to us, the money behind the hardware really starts to become a troublesome thing for them well I mean, they nintendo, nintendo of course is sitting on a whole pile of cash yes they are so it's not like and they simultaneously they simultaneously soon. have the most successful console and the least successful console most yeah. successful being the 3ds which is doing gangbusters for them yeah 13 and change 13 million and change for that That's although what, although as well as the 3ds is doing I, i'm sorry to be like such a debbie downer but they they also revised their forecast downward so i guess you know it, it was a lot of optimism on their part right. but the fact the the truth is, you know, in spite of 3ds being the best selling console in America and probably worldwide, um, they still weren't able to meet their targets. Uh, I think what was it? Um, they originally expected 18 million, uh, and instead they're now expecting 13.5. So it's not as dramatic as the Wii U, but they certainly anticipated far more than what they actually delivered on. But still enough to beat everybody else. So that's something to be that that's a silver lining somewhere at least. So the, the monetary thing is a three-quarter of a billion with a B dollar swing because they had originally anticipated that they would have about a $527 million profit. These are in U.S. dollars. And now they're uh, expecting a loss of $240 million. Oof, yeah, that that's is a big swing. That is a monstrous. I think I'll stick to the monkey bars. <laughs> that is a monstrous swing. And that that raises the questions behind, you know, like the hardware numbers of – what do they do now? Is it time? How, you know, I, I time for what? I posed this question on on Twitter last night. It's 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 what do they do with the Wii U? The Wii U obviously has become a uh, a albatross around their neck. Is it? And, I don't know. I don't know if you can go that far. Can albatross around their neck? I mean, you, when you're talking about posting this sort of loss, when you are talking about revising an estimate for your platform from nine million units to a third to less than a third of that, I would say that's a pretty substantial problem. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, yeah, I, it, it, it doesn't have, even with, uh, Mario, it doesn't have the software support that it should. We've established that. We've talked about that at length on this show in previous episodes. Um, and that software is trickling in. Uh, and, and I would assume that there's going to be, some sales that are uh, as a result of that, but I, I do, you, I, I don't, I don't see abandoning, jumping ship from that hardware being the the right choice. I mean, I don't know what they're, 
alternative is other than continuing to bolster the lineup. But how sustainable can it be if you are losing money on the financial side and not selling them on the product in the store side? That's that's not that's neither financially nor mm-hmm. production wise sustainable. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can make it work. So what do you do? I mean, that was the question. I mean, we I think that regardless of where you stand on the matter, that this grave of a report necessitates at least discussing the sustainability sustainability of this platform. It has not gone where they wanted it to go. And it's things are only going to get harder now that PS4 and Xbox One are out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it. it Nintendo had a one-year lead, and now they have even more competitors to deal with. Uh, uh, And yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, like, I'm I'm a huge Nintendo fanboy. I was one of those guys that you know, even during the GameCube era, I was like posting on forums, being like, "Well, Nintendo's still profitable. It doesn't matter if they're number one." Uh, But now they're not. I mean, this has been if if their projections, their revised projections, are correct. This will be the third consecutive year that they've posted losses for a company that historically has never had losses before. Uh, so, you know, that that's a huge change. I mean, invest shareholders are not going to be okay with that. You no, know? they're not going to be Especially okay with that. Especially after years of riding the, like, you know, the success of Wii, you know. Mm. Uh, I do think that from a hardware perspective, uh, I mean, I think third-party support is gone now. There's just no way of winning them back. I so it, it really depends on on Nintendo's first party, and the thing is, if I'm pretty sure they're still ma- losing money on every Wii U console that's sold out there, and and the tablet is to blame. Uh, yeah, and Nintendo themselves aren't making interesting games for the tablet. So I feel like I feel like uh, the thing that they have to do before abandoning Wii U, uh, which is a really drastic uh, sort of Dreamcast. <laughs> move i think the next thing that they really should consider is getting rid of the gamepad yeah no i think we talked about that before as well is is decoupling the the console from that gamepad selling the console at a lower price point making it an an easy entry level for people uh so i I agree with you on this mm -hmm. i think that one of the questions that has to be asked is what what would it take you said well they've lost third-party support well they've lost third-party support where they stand now however I wouldn't say that you can completely write third-party support off because publishers will go where there is an opportunity to be successful. Yeah, And right now, there's not an opportunity to be successful on Wii U because the install base isn't there. The momentum for the platform isn't there. You don't have excitement and enthusiasm behind it. You don't have the consumer behind it. And so there is no incentive for them to work through Nintendo's system. Mm-hmm. If that equation changed... If that equation changed to where there was excitement behind the product, where there was a lot of people who had it, then again, you would be back to that situation of at least publishers showing some interest in wanting to get into that ecosystem. And then it's back to Nintendo of, okay, can you make a third-party support system that is strong, mm-hmm. that 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 you know really re- gets people going in there, right? Because they even across Wii, they had a hard time with that. So how much money could they save taking the gamepad out? I mean, that's something that we don't know. Right. But I can tell you this: at three hundred dollars, the Wii U is not a is not a competitive right. piece of hardware for what it is. Right. Not against a four hundred dollar PS3. Right. A PS4. Yeah. Or, it's or kinda, even a two fifty PS3. One could argue that. Yeah. You know, or even the, against a two fifty yeah. PS3. Good point. Good yeah. point. And I think that were they to position themselves as the the you know place where you can get Mario and Zelda and all these games at a significantly 
lower price point than a PS4 or an Xbox One. I think that could start to change the, the you know. The but flow I do think you start to look at this as as here. as an as basically as critical a state as you would an amputation. You know, I'm sort of reflecting to that. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Not so great horror movie where the where the uh, the vacationers were trapped in the Mayan temple and the oh yeah, the, tra- is it an R relic? Re- no, no, it wasn't relic. That's the that's the uh, I saw that boat though. It's it was, actually a pretty creepy movie. It was creepy. It was like giant plants attacking you. Yeah, anyway, yeah. So they're like the, you get to that moment where you're like thinking about it. Like, well, if I amputate, I'm going to you know lose these limbs. I'll never be able to walk again. And I think if you amputate the gamepad from the Wii U, yeah. it's gone. You know, it's it's gone. There, it will be a legacy device. It will be the 32x. It will be, you know, it's not it, something. It, it'll be the thing that lets you do off TV play for every game, sure, and that'll and, be amazing. Uh, I think that's still a great selling point. Uh, but yeah, it won't. Ha- you won't have the like asynchronous, uh, whatever uh, asymmetrical play that uh, Nintendo's been touting. And you so and you accept that those folks coming into the system from that point forward won't have full access to the old games. Right, mm-hmm. because they're you know the, the the old games incorporate gamepad play, or maybe they or or you have to at least figure out how to patch the old games so that they are compatible with a system that doesn't have the gamepad. Kind, kind of look like what they with the uh, Mario U, where they patched in uh, pro controller support, like that type of thing. That that is an alternative, but the way you're, so then the question becomes: Do you do you so you know do you hunker down with Wii U the way it is now? You say, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna slash our production. We're not gonna make any more until we sell down to, you know, mm-hmm. like a low stock level. So we've got that, you know, under control. We know that we make a little bit of money on making the Wii U, so we can just like we can hold the fort. We can make a little bit of money off that and entrench, you know, right here. Or do you say, okay, we're gonna be, we're gonna be bold. We're gonna be dramatic. We're gonna slice off the Wii U pad. Or we're gonna slice off the game pad. We're gonna repackage the system and we're gonna come back strong with a how much does it have to be yeah that's the question right i really want to make the devil's advocate argument that if you take out the gamepad you lose the defining unique characteristic of the wii u but at the same time it's not like anyone's doing anything with it nintendo hasn't done anything yeah it's not defining or unique if it's if no one's defining it or doing unique things with it yeah no one's doing anything gameplay related with it the only thing game i can think of that's actually used it in terms of gameplay purposes is the wonderful 101 which is more platinum than nintendo Right, and the Vita connection to the PS4 arguably trumps the GamePad's connection to the Wii U. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, think about how excited we were talking about a uh, uh, PlayStation Now. I mean, that's something that that sh- sort of shows you that ah, wow, I can't I can't use words today. Yeah. Words are hard, but it, sh- was, it shows was... it shows you that like uh, Sony sort of thinking about how to integrate their handheld and their console experience into one, right. and, and and have this library which can really sort of go across multiple devices. Nintendo has a wonderful library that easily trumps any other competitor out there. And I don't think they're doing a particularly good job of, of selling that, that, that library, that catalog, you know? Yeah, Sony showed you how, how you're supposed to take advantage of your back catalog. I was saying on Gaff last week that uh, that's what I wanted Nintendo's virtual console service to be all along, a flat subscription fee for their back catalog of games. And instead, Nintendo's still going with this archaic model of we're going to maybe release one or two a week. And, you know, maybe there'll, there'll be some weeks where we don't release any. And it's just it's going at a snail's pace. And it's just and at those prices at like at like fifteen dollars for an N64 game, like ten dollars for a Super NES game. It's it's not a sustainable model. So 
back to the question that everyone seemed to sort of duck there. Yeah. What What's would a point? what would a game padless Wii U need to be priced at in order to be a really great proposition and reignite Nintendo's fortunes? Two forty nine. Could no, you? No, I think that's too no, high. No, that's still too 199? high. One ninety nine. Could, could you bundle? I think the question is one ninety nine or one forty nine. One forty nine. Yeah. One forty nine bundled with Mario Kart or Smash Brothers. Oh no! Okay, that 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 that's a steal at that point. I, I mean, that, that's insane. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think even two forty nine bundled with uh, a Mario Kart or a Smash Brothers would. What's be... What's a three DS go for right now? <laughs> uh, three DS goes for, and XL goes for one ninety nine, and yeah. I think the regular one goes for like one. Is it one forty nine or? I think so. Yeah, something like that. So. But do you think that? I mean, pulling that 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 controller out of that bundle, I don't think reduces the overall cost of that hardware by one hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, I, su- yeah. I suspect it doesn't reduce it a whole lot. I mean, they've obviously taken some cost conserving measures there. It's a you know, it's only it doesn't even support multi touch. Right. So we know that they were you know rather th- uh, cost conscious in putting together the pad. Yeah. And that's concerning. But I think that they have to get into so I think one forty nine is in the territory of like this is a cheap piece of junk. So you worry about the customer perception thing. I mean, of course, I'd love to pay. The I mean, least I think, amount I can for things, but I think that there is some of that. Like it, it really is one hundred forty nine dollars seems. Although the way they've positioned it as this upgrade to your Wii. It does well, they feel like they did not intend to position it that way. But I don't well, think, they, but it's but they it came say off that, that way. in their commercials. They call it an upgrade in their commercials. Yeah, well, maybe they. That's did what it, it said. Well, I mean, if it, they did intend to, that was a. a it's explicit. It's there. They're like they, it's they an used upgrade. A, they used the word like five times in the yeah. commercial because the 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 main concern that the main thing that was confusing was that people thought that it was just a peripheral that it wasn't the. It wasn't a new thing. It was. Well, uh, I don't know. If that's the main thing, but it's certainly a thing. It was it's one of. It, it was one of. It was one of the. No, that's right. Leading confusion points, uh, especially for people that walk into like a. And Walmart. I even knew people who 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 you know peripherally knew me and would ask the question like, "Where do I get the pad to hook up to my Wii?" Yeah, and you're like, "You don't get a pad to hook up to your Wii. You get right. you, it's a Wii U. It's a new thing." And and what do you do if you're an average consumer and you walk into a Best Buy and you see like a stack of Wii U's right next to a stack of Wii Minis? Like, like well, what, well, I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't think that was really that that big of a concern. But, but it's still like a consumer confusion thing. Like, you don't know which which is which if you're they, if you're not they, like well well versed like we are. I mean, did they really have a lot of Wii Minis out there? there there's a stack of Wii Minis over at my uh, Best Buy. I mean, I think that we keep coming back to the same thing. It's software drives this this purchasing i've got a thought about that too oh what's your thought about that? so so to, to wrap up to to come before we move into the software thought i think that where they need to go with the wii u is to definitely get rid of the gamepad i think they have to be under 200 dollars because they cannot they're not going to be punching at xbox one and at ps4 so they have to remember that the reason that people come to Nintendo is for the first party games. Right. And they will always come to Nintendo for the first party games. And those games have a terrific breadth of demographic that they reach to. So they still reach into that family demographic better than any than than Microsoft or Sony have a hope to at the moment because that's that's just Nintendo's wheelhouse. Like Mario, Zelda, all of those games will always be able to reach down into the family much better than than the games that are coming out of Sony and 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 Microsoft, right? Yeah, they're so, at their so, best. Oh, so doing that, getting under two hundred dollars is a huge barrier for family purchases. At every price point that you go down about fifty dollars, 
you'll see a new uh, erosion of people's resistance to buy, right? Because at $200 or at 199 then there's a whole new group of people who come in and say, oh, okay, at $199, I can afford it. Same thing happens at 149 Same thing happened at 99 We saw this in We saw this in every generation as prices drop. We saw it with the adoption of the 360 arcade unit, right? Yeah. It made a huge difference yeah. for Microsoft. I mean, it was it was one of the mid-game plays that they made that really helped sustain them in North America as the leader. If they hadn't done the arcade unit, I think PS3 might have overtaken them in the United States. I think it's right. a reasonable thing to expect that that might have gone down that way, but they did because of the pricing. So you get that down to 200 and I think the machine has to come bundled now, not just with a Wiimote, but with a Pro Controller. It has to come with a regular controller so that they can speak to all of the third parties when they start to develop this momentum and say, okay, now we have a machine that we've gotten out there in the mass market that has a controller interface that you can use, that you can easily bring in other games because they need to be able to quickly uh, bump up the amount of software that they have that's unavailable, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you do that in this ecosystem right now? Well, you do that with downloadable titles. Mm -hmm. And they have the potential to be a less expensive, the least expensive home conduit to great digital titles in your living room, if mm-hmm. they did this, and they do, it, and to do that though, they would have to look at what. I mean, this is what Sony's done. Look, Sony was very smart in how they did their their run up to PS4. Do you think? And as much as I love indie games, I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on them. But don't you think that if they had had more AAA games ready to go for PS4 at last year's E3, that they would have featured them? Right, you're saying that they featured the indie stuff, yeah. because the dev cycles are just are they're just easier to get ready. Mm-hmm. They, they they're a what an 18 month dev cycle instead of a 36 month dev cycle. They're a there is something that because of their size and scope, you can really get something together and get it to screen very quickly. Mm-hmm. So if they did all these things, and and but the reason that Sony's doing it so well is they put together a hell of a team. The team that Adam Boys has with Shane and and everybody else who's working on it over there, like those guys bring in great 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 Nick Sutner's always had a fantastic eye for games of course they're bringing in great games Mm -hmm. and so they put together this great team they've made it very friendly for the developers developers want to work with it so they've got now an influx of games coming this year while really what's 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 out there coming for PS4 a couple of games infamous right and then down the line somewhere the order and you've got ideas like Metal Gear Solid's going to come and you know they'll announce some stuff at E3 but over this year They've got some really cool digital titles coming, and they did a great job of putting that foot forward. And and to be a foot, you know, Microsoft got caught very flat-footed on that. So what if Nintendo had a $200 machine that had a normal controller in it that suddenly gained a lot of momentum that families were buying, lots of people were buying because it had it was still the Mario platform yeah. and had a great ecosystem for 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 you know for uh, downloadable games to be produced and made. Yeah, I think that the, that's all really a sound logic. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. I know it ain't gonna happen. That's, I'm just, I'm just saying that this is. I think that the the, the, me, the me armchair quarterbacking. I mean, if you're if you're talking about the fact that they're already losing money on the on the hardware now, I don't think ripping that controller out of the box reduces the price by hundred dollars. No, do you? I don't think. I don't so. think it. I don't think it probably quite reduces it by a hundred dollars. And I think especially if you have to then go back and add, because keep in mind. The Wii U doesn't come with a Wiimote either. Right. It only comes with the gamepad. Right. Well, so I'm sure now you're talking. Wiimote isn't, you know. Right. And I think, I think actually this, this, you know, 
Wii U, whatever the hell you call it. I mean, it doesn't really fit XL because it's not a Wii, Wii U LX or whatever. LX. Uh, <laughs> You do, doesn't necessarily need to even have the Wiimote, although it's really tough to say don't have the Wiimote because then you lose all that backwards compatibility for all those great Wii games, which you need because you still need software for the device. So I think it probably has to be a Wii U, a Wiimote, and a Pro Controller. And it has to be $199. Well, that's all, that's $199 with Mario Kart hitting the market is a pretty compelling thing for families yeah the reason you got to throw in something like mario kart or smash brothers is because it's not like those are taking advantage of gamepad you know controls anyway yeah, right so you can time with a big that horn yeah, yeah. A big horn in the yeah. middle of the <laughs> if you do the bundle no. if you do the bundle the bundle's gonna be 250 I, I can't see how you can include the software at the 199 price but i think you have to have the hardware by it no but you, a, you gotta have that you gotta have that price the timing. point sitting right next to mario kart and go yes you can get a hundred dollars 199 dollars and Mario I think Ozzy was saying, and it will take advantage of that. Well, I think bundle well, you would do be the ideal. 240, you do the you know two forty nine bundle, um, right? And Nintendo's done great b- bundles before. I mean, one thing Nintendo used to be fantastic. But go back to Nintendo's still good at bundles. Look go at back the 3DS to the 60, bundles, right? Three DS bundles, or you know, then they go back to Nintendo sixty four where they had all those great color ones with the different games packed. It was like they've been genius at this. Yeah, but don't so, it's how long has it been since Nintendo introduced a really interesting new IP? <laughs> there, there's yeah, I, and, and maybe that's an maybe that's an old that's that's an old conversation well, you, you, that I dude can, i've been on that refrain for a long time but it's true and it's it, true you know maybe there's a little fatigue i but, actually don't really but, believe but it's not fatigue, like the, but. it's not like new ips would sell anyway because otherwise the wonderful 101 would have sold to the roof or otherwise pikmin well, 3 would have and have you guys seen did. the npd numbers i don't think there's a single original ip on there yeah. <laughs> no one wants original ip just give me my sequels um, so someone was saying on the in the NPD thread on Shaq yesterday that it's pretty much just like the same ten titles, just add like another, just add a number at the end of it, just add like just up the number by one. But it's, it's strange that that you know you had this company that in the you know eighties and nineties was just this factory for creating really interesting characters that everyone grabbed onto, and oh my gosh, Super Smash Brothers is the celebration of all these wonderful characters that we've got, and then all of a sudden that sort of came to a grinding halt, and. It's like we're we're only dealing with this this cast of characters that we've I, already I agree. established. And the reason I propose propose that whole package that I did, which was dramatic and not something they're going to do, is because if they choose the option that I suspect that they will, which is just retrenching and slashing production and you know really circling the wagons, then I think that leads them into a continuing spiral of not producing new things because they're already losing money. So they don't have the money to go out and invest in internal studio development, new internal studio development, right? And the studios that they do have internally, they're going to they're going to task them on on the big stalwarts that they have. They're going to say, "We need a Zelda, we need a Mario, we need a Smash right. Bros." Well, that's why we saw and, Zelda Dynasty Warriors or whatever it's called, Hyrule. Because they yeah, because they need they need that content and they they're don't like, have the internal that's, teams to that's do it. That's their version of <laughs> we need some 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 quick 18-month cycle yeah. downloadable content type stuff fast um i hate being so down on it it's it's so depressing to see because this. we all grew up on nintendo and we, we love our nintendo and i love my wii u to be honest with you i mean i i, I could take or leave the controller I don't, but I don't we're, we're also frustrated because the games are good oh they're yeah, great this Very is not good. so you know people that are listening this is not a comment on the quality of nintendo's games. that's been another common factor from the shack threads is that everyone keeps saying the wii u is actually good it yeah, actually has. It, it actually good. is. They pe- there are people out there that like their Wii U's better than their PS4s and their Xbox Ones right now. 
it's it's a it's a hey we love you please do something to make this thing successful so we get more of it because i think that's what it's always been it's never been a matter of people want nintendo to fail. Us, but i also it also isn't oh my gosh nintendo is about to go out of business no, they're not it, no they're not they're, they're not we're they're, just we're just concerned yeah so how would you feel about the if they took the Sega path? Because people, you know, that always comes no. up like just go be a software company. I want to play Nintendo no. games, but, I want, but how about if I just play them on my on my you know PS4 or my Xbox One? Man, there's something tantalizing about that as a fan. Yeah, but look look at where the Sega properties have kind of gone. Like we're, look at where Sonic. But that doesn't have anything it's... to do. I don't think that has anything to do with that particular decision. I think that has. If those games had come out on a Sega, and you know, mythical Sega console, they wouldn't have been any better games. They just, it just happened to be, they kind of put out some crappy games, uh, you know, crappy Sonic games, unfortunately. Um, well, I think that is the concern that people have is they've watched how Sega has done. But I don't think that that's a, I don't think that's a causal there's I agree. A relationship. I, I, I don't think I, it's I, like, I well, they went multi-platform, therefore the games got worse. I don't think that's. That's true, and I don't think Nintendo because they would... too stopped developing new IPs. They too sort of like parked the parked the car after Sonic. Yeah, yeah, and they became a publisher, which is just sort of a publisher of. I mean, they always were, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think that would happen to Nintendo per se. I don't think that's a a result of that decision. Uh, and I, let's just walk down this path of what that could look like. You know, you could have. Zelda and Mario and all these and Smash Brothers coming out on both Sony and Microsoft consoles. Uh, you could have them with really robust, interesting online features. I don't know if Nintendo would support that from a software place, <laughs> uh, it, it, but it might be interesting to see them in that playground of a of a really um, uh, really strong uh, online community, strong online systems that are built into these consoles. They're sort of you know, starting to tap into that with Wii U a little bit, but Sony and Microsoft are so much stronger in that area. That would be kind of interesting, right? Uh, You could have these interesting crossover things. I mean, Sega was sort of allowed to do interesting crossover things when they became agnostic. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's from a fan perspective, but aren't we kind of seeing that crossover thing with the Zelda dynasty warriors? And even with like some of the characters you're seeing in smash brothers. Well, yeah, but, not on the level that you could get it if they you didn't have to worry about being on somebody else's box, you know? Right. I don't know. It, there's something, there's something fun about the idea of not having to, you know, but, but they're never going to get out of the, I don't think they're going to get out of the 3ds business because the no. 3ds well, is still at, they know what rocking. They're doing. Yeah. So there's, there is a, in is something of your identity when you've been a hardware and software when you've been a Nintendo or a Sega gets lost when you stop making the hardware. And for sure. And I think that for sure. There's no reason for Nintendo to go down that path. I agree. I, there's something special. I'm not arguing for it. I'm just saying, well, what if? There's still there's just something special about, you know, the Nintendo experience for lack of a better word, right? You turn on your Nintendo machine and you play Mario or you play Zelda and it's like you're just you're in that space and it gives you warm fuzzies and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I would not – I don't want them to lose that. I don't want them to be in the same boat as Rayman. Interesting. You know? I don't think they ever would, though. Rayman isn't Mario. Rayman isn't Mario, but Rayman is an awesome, awesome game. True. That neither finds its footing on Nintendo's platform by virtue of not being a Nintendo game 
or nor. Well, you think that that's why? You think that's think why so. it doesn't find its footing on a Wii U? Because it's not a Nintendo game? I think, yep. That's weird. I mean, that's, that's the real conundrum for third parties. It's like, that's why they all don't hang out there. That is why they all don't hang out there. And so Nintendo needs to, you know, as they, one thing that would behoove them would be to figure out how to, you know, extend some sort of Nintendo wing of support to those folks in the maybe that maybe Nintendo approved or remember the whole remember the old like on the box the Nintendo Golden Seal yeah don't don't smirk at that I think that was really valuable people saw that and they were like it was it was pretty big at the time I remember I remember you know that was a real big thing and it was it was Nintendo saying we make the hardware you know and trust us you know how much we put into work in this and we're saying that yeah this has our seal this is right this is Nintendo approved and there's there's value in that. There's real value in them doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would take, and I think conversely, it would take someone like uh, Ubisoft making a Rayman. And I think Nintendo would probably say, well, we, you know, if we're going to do that, you're not going to put it out on other platforms, at least yeah. not right away. Kind of go with the Bayonetta deal, like, you know, rescue a few third party or, or third party characters that are yeah. like underwater and just say, okay, we'll help, we'll help you finance this, but you're only going to be on Nintendo. You know, the other thing we should talk about with regard to these numbers from Nintendo is how much we had uh, rung the bell for this sea change that was happening uh, on the, in the mobile space of, Oh, you know, people are using their phones for gaming. The dedicate, the days of de- dedicated handhelds are waning. Well, 3ds is going strong. And, and what happened was Nintendo, even with a slow start, managed to get momentum by putting out really awesome software and people still want to buy those. So, well, and as it turns out, people will play more meaty games on the go. And then when they do, they don't want just a touch screen and a small phone screen. They want, they want to having a dedicated right. device that they can easily pocket and carry. I mean, I do think that, yeah. that that's, and I also think it has a lot to do with the fact that, I mean, at least for me personally, this is anecdotal, but it has a lot to do with the fact that I don't want to use up my battery of this thing that is on my only communication to the outside world. Oh, dude, you carry your charger with you. Don't give me that. Well, no, I do, no, but, no, but I understand. I understand what he's saying, though. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I was just giving you a hard it, time. It's the reason that I have a phone and I have an iPod Touch. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to lose, you know, battery on my phone. When, yeah, when and I, I think if when you're talking about these more robust games, you're talking about the Zeldas, you're talking about the Fire Emblems, you're right. talking about games that you want to spend hours and hours. Oh, playing. you sit down and play for. At I least don't want to use my time. phone to do that. I, I really don't. You know. So there is, I mean, we need to eat a little crow there. There, there. there is a value to that kind of experience, and people are buying into it. There, yeah, the, thir- for 13 sure. million P- uh, 3DSs is oh, pretty freaking no strong. No, and, no argument whatsoever. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before. One of the really underrated aspects of the 3DS is that Street Pass feature, because I pretty much all of my friends are addicted to that thing. They're going out to places like McDonald's or Starbucks just to get Street Passes and be able to play those Street Pass games. It's a really cool social app. It's one of those really rare, unique ideas from Nintendo lately that has actually worked really well. All right. Well, so maybe that's what helped them achieve their uh, number one position in the NPDs over December. When we come back on the other side, we will look at the games of December and move on to some other stuff. Uh, so that we don't just get entrenched in in lamenting. In trying them. to tell Nintendo how to run their business. Right, because they're listening. <laughs> not, not so much. But you're listening. We appreciate Hi, it. Stick around. We can confirm number 200. We'll be right back. This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by Sega's Kingdom Conquest 2, the strategy MMO for iPhone, iPad, and Android. Kingdom Conquest 2 has an intense base of gamers and has been going strong since January 2013. 
It's deep and creative and free to play. It's a little hard to explain, but this might help. It was created by Sega's design teams behind Panzer Dragoon, Typing of the Dead, Yakuza, and Jack Grind Radio. The Sega designers combined a strategy MMO with a card battler with a hack and slash action game. Think of Kingdom Conquest 2 as equal parts Kingdoms of Camelot, Rage of Bahamut, and Fantasy Star Online, where you conquer real players and make them submit to your will. Bow down, real player. You can download Kingdom Conquest 2 for free at the App Store or Google Play. And for our listeners, Sega is offering a Kingdom Conquest 2 rare monster card based on Gilius Thunderhead, the mighty dwarf from Golden Axe. To get this rare monster card, just send an email to Sega at kc 2 at Sega.net and ask for the Kingdom Conquest 2 Golden Axe Rare Card. They'll know what to do. Last week, we gave you the website rather than the email, so that's K, as in Kingdom, C as in Conquest, and 2, the number 2, at Sega.net. KC2 at Sega.net for your rare monster card. Super Mega Worm. And it's fun to say. Super Mega Worm. It is, it is sort of Super Mega Worm. Fun to say. Super Mega Worm. Super Mega Worm. Super Mega Worm. <laughs> Classic Del Rio uh, mix there with the Leahy samples. Uh, we miss you, Brian. We do. We absolutely do. We have to, you 200! Know, 200 in the house. All right, so uh, lest this become just the sales talk show, we'll try to like keep this rain down. Nintendo was such a big thing, though. I mean, I felt yeah. like we really needed I mean, to... That's a major revision. That's something I just... I wanted to talk with you guys about because... Yeah. I don't know. I have such strong emotional feelings about it because, God, they were such an important part of like the last 30 years. I mean, when, when I was writing the story up, I was like, uh, I was expecting bad things, but that that was still shocking. Like, you do really have to read the PDF that they sent out to investors to like really get like the full impact of like how bad things really it's, are. It's tough so. sledding. And so the rest of the December NBDs, uh, there's not a lot to talk about here on the new hardware stuff. Uh, Microsoft is crowing because they won December. Sony is counterpunching that they were out of stock for most of December and have sold more overall since the launch of both consoles. Look, the good news here is that both of these systems have had pretty strong launches. They, yeah, they very, both very, have had pretty strong, very strong, very strong, exceedingly launches. strong. They have had exceedingly. You strong. You know, okay. up until the end of yesterday, where Nintendo came out with like the really bad news, I was going to say I'm like everyone should be celebrating because everyone has some has something to be happy about between Microsoft having a good December, Sony having a good end of the year. It's great and news for both of them. And Nintendo was outselling them both as the 3ds. Like it's everyone a, has something to be happy about. Yeah, it's just a weird way to end the year of Luigi. <laughs> you know the on the hardware front the thing that a lot of folks have said and i i 
the more I think about it, at first I was like, oh, well, that doesn't really necessarily ring true. But the more I think about it, maybe it does, is that the the quick takeoff and success of both Xbox One and PS4 really points to how overdue the console generation cycle change was. That they yeah. really, the, both of them waited too long. Do and you, that, How do you feel about that? I think that, that there was a lot of pent up. Here, here's my take on it. The, and I may have sensed some of this before, but uh, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. But I, I feel like. A, there was a lot of pent up desire for new experiences, new new consoles, as you say. Yeah. B, I think that since the launch of the last generation, we have been conditioned with the sort of cell phone culture that we've become to update hardware, to get excited about new technology, and to go out and spend big dollars. Get the more newest, frequently, latest, best. get the newest, latest, best. Get that that tech in your home. I think that is a real cultural sea change that happened, and also. I think that it also points to how smart both Microsoft and Sony were in creating technology that they could put into the retail channel, that they weren't constrained as they were last generation with inventory. You know, we saw they would have loved to have this many units available to be purchased when the 360 and the PS3 came out, and they just didn't. The reason we had lines around the block and people checking websites to see which stores got some is because they couldn't make enough of them, right? And they are not similarly restrained this time i mean there's a little of that but not nearly to the extent that there was and i think that was a decision early on in both of their designs of these consoles to create mostly off-the-shelf components and it's led both of them to multi-million sales in units already which is why i think it's such bs when anybody even with you know apple iphone stuff or whatever when they're always like oh you know they're artificially constraining uh, availability <laughs> to create these lines and create demand. It's like no, no. You sell no as many as you can. No company in the world has ever wanted to do that. They want to put as many of them out there as they can. So I mean, there's only there's only so many sweatshops in the world, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Those exactly. those workers. I mean, they they they're 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 trying their hardest. And we're <laughs> we're paying them so many pennies. And, exactly. You know, so stop so complaining. Before we look at the games of 2013 and, and then December, say, like, what happens? Do you think now with the 360 PS3 generation? Because they, you know, we've been, we've been told by both platform holders these are not going anywhere. We are going to be supporting them throughout the year. Well, that's and yet the, that's the flip side of all this good news for Microsoft and Sony is that for publishers. It's not such good news if you put out a game on the 360 or the PS3 this fall because it was like man, GameStop reported a huge drop in current what was current gen, you know, 360 PS3 gen game sales. So there's huge all drop. these there's all these uh, happy oh, not all these there's two of these happy hardware manufacturers going look at look at all this we get to sing from the heavens about how excited people are about our new boxes but the game publishers who are like well we put out games. On your current boxes, and no one went out and bought them because uh, everybody's waiting for the new stuff for their new systems. Okay, is this weird? We're in this weird to pull a page from to pull ballot. a page from ESPN. Buying or selling <laughs> three sixty PS three strong and viable holiday of twenty fourteen. Oh, I don't believe that they will have a strong and viable health. And I think I think you're PS, selling. I, selling. I think PS3 definitely has a, a lot of life left in it, especially if you look at uh, the tail end of the PS2 life cycle. Yep. I mean, there's still PS3 exclusives coming out in 2014. What's going to happen, I and think, Microsoft is promised big, there would still be games. Both of them will have price drops. Both of them will have p- price drops by mid-year and you need like a $99 or 360 or I don't think it'll go that oh, far that's, but that's a little bit but I mean yeah uh 
for either 360 or PS3, the proposition of having like a $150 system, which still plays Netflix, which still plays HBO Go, which still has PlayStation Plus, which still has Xbox Live. Yeah. I think that's a really great value proposition for consumers that don't necessarily need to <laughs> to get the newest greatest stuff with both of them now having full digital online stores you think there's a chance either would do a driveless interesting i mean i think playstation now can certainly <laughs> facilitate something like that right right uh, if that's then, if that's the way they decide to go but the thing is like um i mean that kind of market that they're selling to probably doesn't have the best, most reliable broadband connection. I mean, that's sure. the, that's the big lots market, right? Well, and it's interesting if, if you live if you live somewhere with a bandwidth cap, and especially in light of this week's whole deal with net neutrality, and well, we got to talk about that. Yeah, too. I mean, that's there's there are concerns about whether you can actually have a viable download only platform. Uh, it's interesting. I, I just did um, some bonus round episodes this right. week with um, Jeff Keeley and uh, Michael Pactor was on the episode, and he was talking about how. Uh, the with regard to PlayStation Now and streaming, how difficult it is to get anything that is newer than two years old from third parties on these streaming systems, right? Because they want to protect their catalog. Exactly. So I think that's a real. Pro- I I think if if that's accurate and remains accurate, then it's a real problem f- for positioning PlayStation Now as the solution to backwards compatibility because it's just not going to be. It'll be maybe. You know, play your old PS2, play your old PS1 games, or really old PS3 games, but it's not going to be the kind of thing where anything in the last two years that you want to play on PS3 outside of Sony first party is going to be available on that kind of a service. But, so. you know, people sort of expect that with Netflix, too, right? Where it's like, you you know for the most part you're not going to be watching, you know, the newest movies on Netflix. Yeah, but they're being really smart in in changing that and putting out original content. I think I think in lieu of original content, I still think having something like The Last of Us, which, you know, isn't original but still new, right. I think that's still a draw for people that missed it the first time around. I think I think games can still I mean, yeah, you're you're reaching an audience that just might not have played it to begin with and let's let's be honest, I mean, we all have giant backlogs that we're never ever 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 going to finish in our lifetimes. Uh <laughs> True. And yet speak for yourself, Yoon. <laughs> and and we still clamor for like the newest, greatest things. But if we if we decided to stop buying games now, like just never buy games anymore, we'd still be pretty good for like <laughs> a generation or so. All right, so Andrew, <laughs> that's not the American are you, way. Are you, Andrew, are you buying or selling on 360 and PS3 still being a a viable thing at holiday of 2014? I think we're going to see cross-gen games still in 2014. I think uh, the next Assassin's Creed, I think the next Call of Duty will still be cross-gen. Um, I, think, I think PS3 is more viable. Uh, I think it's a better value, especially this late in the life cycle, just because I think at least you don't, you don't need PlayStation Plus for for ps3 right if you want to access hbo go if you want to access netflix i think for the casual you know late coming market that's going to be a good value and then playstation plus does have that catalog of games so i think they could they could really market that to to latecomers to the generation i think xbox live i think i think one of the reasons why they have games with gold obviously yeah it's to be competitive with playstation plus but they could also sort of position it for for people that are like well you just got into 360 like now Right. You know, we have eight years of games for you to choose from. Just stick with us, pay your annual fee, I mean, why and you'll get you, free games. Why else do you put Halo in there? Exactly. I mean, Halo is not a title that many people who had 360s did not already have. Right. 
And, so you and, put it in there because you're attracting new users, new players. Right. And and the thing is, like, you know, they might not be selling gangbusters, but now it's a really profitable time for them because there's right. no there's no cost of upkeeping these consoles. You just throw them into stores. You don't, you're not developing yep. new content. You're just making money off of these people. And and so you know, I think I think there's a, a real good incentive for these companies to make them viable for as long as possible. And I think a lot of people will probably be upgrading from Wii. You know, possibly yeah. to PS3 or 360, they'll look at that <laughs> right. and be like, "Well, I want I want Netflix in HD." And they're gonna see that whole like 1080p experience. Thing, yeah, right. Yeah, Ozzy well, buying. Or, let's get Ozzy in there. Yeah, buying I, or selling Ozzy. Uh, I'm gonna buy it just because uh, even if they don't necessarily support it with new software, like it, if everything starts going like next gen, you can still put entertainment apps. You can still make it a living room experience. Sure. And like Andrew right. me- and like Andrew mentioned, when you have PlayStation Plus and when you have Xbox Games with Gold, you can just keep offering from that back catalog and just keep offering uh, free games. So I, I think it's going to be uh, sustainable for at least the next year. I'll tell you this. I think 2014 is the year of cross-platform games. It's cross-generation. Was. 2014 will or be. 2014 will be. Yeah. More, more so, especially with PS4 it's and a, PS... All year long, you're going to see... It's out on Xbox One, PS4, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360... That's what you're you see. saw that Hideo Kojima tweeted earlier this week that whole hey you can see uh, you can play Metal Gear Solid Five on uh, on your Vita or or at least like you know via remote play that's yeah. the caveat it's not so you, it's not native to Vita right Jeff I'm gonna counterpoint you on that because I think that 2014 sees that cross play go away much faster than anyone thought it would or expected it to by virtue of how fast sales dropped on current gen systems of software in this holiday that just went by. The mm. fact that the current gen stuff fell off the radar, well, not fell off the radar, but fell off the sales cliff so fast. Mm-hmm. Now you have to, as a publisher, look at it and say, okay, how much are we holding back our potential to be, oh my God, amazing and dominate on next gen by making ourselves do these extra SKUs? Are we employing, in fact, a separate studio to make a 360 PS3 version of this game, how much is that costing us? Hmm. Will we see a return on that? How much is that holding back our engine development team? And at some point you say, you know what? If if there is a future for 360 and PS3, which, by the way, I am buying on for hmm. Holiday, it's a separate platform and a separate thing. I'm buying on that platform, those platforms, though, at a lower price point with, once again, redesigned machines. I say once again for Sony, who's on, you know, that now I have the slide top PS3. If you haven't bought a PS3, I, I tend to forget that sometimes. I mean, how, like, how many redesigns have they had on the PS3? <laughs> um, well, three. And you know, sometimes I well, I guess really there was like a there was like a there was the slim, and then there was sort of a, an update on the slim, and then there's the slide top. It really does feel like there have been there have been a lot of redesigns on it. I mean, between... there's I think like technically there's been about a dozen, but yeah. in terms of exterior, uh, right, what you see at the shell, then uh, we're on the third. Generation. I guess I'm thinking more like the interior stuff, like you know, removing backwards compatibility from the fat and like. Well, that, that was originally right. So, and I think that Microsoft has obviously plenty of room to make a thin, slimmer 360. Obviously, they can you know have been tremendous advancements over the last eight years. I'm sure there's a lot of room for them to miniaturize and economize and make a much less expensive one. 150, great price point. They can probably get to that. And then that makes a different ecosystem. But the the next gen games, I think that they probably go away faster than you would have expected because I mean the they, current gen games, yeah, current gen because they start to they start to drag down, right? They start. But I to look be at a it a different way. I think there's going to be a lot of these games that were sort of in development for current gen. Oh, and I think that's true. That they're going to push them. Those those stay, but they're going to. I think they're going to push them up and and put them out on the next gen consoles as well. And I, mean, I think I'm looking at, it, at the flip side of what you're saying, rather than 
hiring a company to to you know make the 360 or PS3 version of a next gen game. I think you're going to see more of these games that were sort of in development for the current gen being ported up. I mean, we, we, that's tough. I think I think Tomb Raider is a good example. Exactly. That's just that's just the beginning. We're going to exactly. see a ton of games make but that not transition. Necess- not it's, even necessarily stuff that's already been out, but yeah, a lot of those like I mean, playing Grand Theft Auto 5. Actually, that's yeah. the game that I did play recently, Grand Theft Auto 5. Uh just playing it on current gen, I'm like, oh, this is so clearly, clearly oh, yeah. limited by the, oh, by yeah. the current generation hardware. We're going to see a next gen version of that for sure. And we're going to see next gen versions of everything. I, I feel like, I feel like Dark Souls 2. I feel like uh, From and Namco would be rather miss to, to not eventually right. bring like the game of the year edition over to, to next gen console. Yeah. And someone made the mock up of The Last of Us on PS4, but you don't think that's going to be a reality at some point? Like it gets bundled up with the Left Behind DLC? I, yeah, no, once again, like game of the year editions for everything, uh, and and yeah. and given, I mean, how much how much could it possibly cost to do that? And I think I think we're I think Last there's gonna of be... Us specifically, that's a touchy question. I mean, I, I think that Naughty Dog's studio bandwidth is fully engaged in projects, and and the question is, they're one hundred percent on Uncharted right now. No, 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 well, no, they're, no. They're, they're, there's clearly two teams there, yeah, but there's clearly uh, two teams. But they're not going to devote one team to upresing but, an existing game. And so the question is, even though they are part of Sony, how much creative control do they maintain, and how willing are they to let an outside? I'm uh, pretty sure. Partner... I'm pretty sure they'd be willing to have like someone like Sony Bend make the the, yeah, the PS4 version while they're yeah. working on something else. And you know, they did say that the next Uncharted game for PS4 does use their PS3 engine. They've essentially moved that engine onto PS4. So you know, given that The Last of Us runs on that engine, well, I... engine tech has gotten very extensible of the, over the last few years. So it's not surprising they're able to continue to move things and migrate them forward. Uh, so that game, by the way, GTA Five, was the top selling game for all of 2013, and as a matter of fact, is uh, within shooting distance of being the best GTA ever. Best GTA ever so far has been San Andreas. So best selling, yes, yeah, best selling. Oh, you mean yeah. as opposed to what reviewed or whatever? I guess. Well, you just said best. Oh right, okay. Yeah, best. Actually, well, now, now, I, oh. I only determine the quality of games based on how much they sell. Yes, <laughs> I know that about you. Yeah, actually, we were talking about sales, so yeah. I just uh, well, I just Gar- wanted to be clear. Garnet, you were mentioning like games that are for current gen. I mean, now, they, now that you bring up uh, GTA, and it's like there's still a couple of ex- expansions I believe that are going to be on the way at some point, right? For Grand Theft Auto Five, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's absolutely content there, there, coming there, for there, it. There's your current gen stuff right there. Yeah, true, true, and 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 as well as Grand Theft Auto Five did, obviously a next gen version of it is going to be a, a big thing. Definitely, I don't know though. Having played through that game, and as much as I loved it, as big a game it is, I don't know if I go back to it to play through it again just because it's. I just want better. more pedestrians on the street. I feel like <laughs> no, for me that's actually a big deal. I was playing, you know, playing Assassin's Creed Four on PS4. It feels nice just having these really large right. crowds and running through them. But then when you switch over to GTA Five, it's just like. It's a barren wasteland. It does, it, they capture a lot of the spirit of LA, but then not having that density it doesn't really, have the spirit. Yeah, 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 really hurts it because I think yeah. that's like actually sort of you know a crucial part of LA's identity. So yeah, it's as, do, it's, I, it's as if you were in Shibuya Crossing <laughs> and everything was perfect, but there was nobody there. Yeah, You're and like, so it, what's going on it, here? It sort of feels sort of apocalyptic, which maybe they'll do like a, a you know undead redemption thing. Uh, oh, that would be G- awesome for GTA. But 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 yeah, I just. For me, I was like, it looks pretty, but it doesn't feel next gen, right? Like that's I think right. I think that's the limitation, right? I wanna I wanna see a real city with real density. And I, I, I would hope that if they do make a next gen GTA. So here's the rest of your top ten. 
Uh, Call of Duty Ghosts is in number two for the year. Not too shabby. Madden 25. Wait, let's, before we go. Yes. For everybody saying, oh, Call of Duty didn't do as well. Yeah, I I feel kind of silly for saying that now. Uh, There was a lot of that from a lot of people saying, oh, it's the end of Call of Duty. It's the second highest selling game of the year. Wait, wait, wait. And spoiler alert, it's... It, there's more than one Call of Duty on this list, yeah, right? <laughs> and and it had how many fewer months to sell than GTA did in uh, the year? One and a half, basically. Well, yeah. that's significant. And yes, as Andrew alluded to, Call of Duty Black Ops Two still managing to get into the top ten, and not just at the bottom of it either. Uh, it's in uh, spot number seven. Wow! So that's kind of crazy. Call of, Cod Blops Two in seven, and Cod Ghosts in two. Madden Twenty Five in three. EA coming back with Battlefield 4 in the fourth spot. Interesting. So I think it's a really strong finish for Battlefield 4. Especially and with all of the issues that we hear about. And, yeah, I'd, well, be, I'd be interested to see. I'd be interested to see if they come back for Battlefield 5 after if, I think that, that experience. I'd say, Jeff, that that flips the equation around. Rather than the, I think people didn't know about the problems ahead of time. They bought Battlefield 4. So what this says is there's a huge number of people out there who got Battlefield 4 and then got a Feel crappy screwed. experience yeah. and are not happy about it. Well, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they try to win that, that group back, as you say, in Battlefield 4. I mean, granted, these games have so much DLC uh, over such a lengthy period of time that over the course of two years, you could sort of correct the course and sort of make good with the community. Well, it's more than DLC. They've got to get the game playing consistently, the servers running well, joining games working Are we talking well. about SimCity or what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, offline mode coming. Offline mode. Oh, it only took him six months. Uh, just drop that grenade, move on. Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag in the fifth space. NBA 2K14 in the sixth space, obviously doing well because it was on every platform under the sun. You know, next gen. Same thing for Battlefield 4, right? Yeah. Uh, And then Call of Duty Black Ops 2, as we noted. Just Dance 2014. Still doing strong, that franchise. In ninth, one of the most interesting titles on this top 10. I'm really surprised by this. Minecraft. Not surprised at all, given how how well it's been selling over the year. Minecraft for the 360. And this is the only exclusive platform exclusive in the top 10 minecraft for 360 made it into the top 10 against all of these other multi-platform titles i should have mentioned this i should have anybody under 15 loves the the minecraft play that's the game i should have mentioned this in the last segment but if you're nintendo why don't you throw a bunch of money at notch and just get minecraft on the wii u already i don't think there is enough money to be thrown i think that guy is insulated from that kind of i don't think he understands what money is anymore (laughs) like (laughs) that that concept is is beyond him now. He's like, yeah. he just, he's he, transcended he, mere mortal <laughs> money. Those chains have been unshackled. Exactly. He's, re- he's reached financial nirvana. Exactly. He's on a plane of existence that's beyond physical items or desire. Or fiscal items. And yeah. then uh, rounding out the top 10, Disney Infinity. So for those who were concerned again about how it's toys and Skylanders yeah. like uh, set up. Pretty, did pretty, pretty well. Pretty good. Skylanders still did very well too, according to the uh, NPD analyst. So out of all this, that makes Take Two Interactive the top publisher for sales in 13, based on the strength of Grand Theft Auto Five and NBA 2K. Yeah. I mean, and they, and then the analyst included Bioshock Infinite, which I think was a nice thing to include the name check it. But I mean, obviously, it's on the strength of GTA Five and and NBA 2K. And that that does that that negates one XCOM, right? <laughs> 
God, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for the Bureau. I, I really did enjoy that game, but... Um, I didn't think the Bureau was as bad as people said it was. I but, thought it was okay. I, no, it, it's just sad when a game takes five years to make, and you're like, man, if they only had one more year, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I do, yeah. I know it's never going to happen, but I do kind of wish they'd go back to it and just like kind of give it like a proper follow-up, just because just that, that world seems kind of interesting. I am, I am going to raise the flag that many folks have raised of... This right here paints the picture of what a tough, tough creative landscape the gaming industry faces, and we've got to figure out how to break out of it. All of this sequel-driven stuff. Mm. I mean, imagine as imagine there there is no other modern media that that is so intensely sequel-driven. Films, yeah, fil- yeah, I'd say films. Yeah, okay. So look at your Oscar list. No, 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 no. no you're not looking at yeah. the Oscar list. Well, you're looking at because, the biggest grossing movies of yeah, the year. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, not, exactly. we're not looking at the Dice Awards here. Okay, yeah. but I think that there's more relationship between ga- between movies that have great box offices, and th- there's still space for movies to break out based off of their critical success, where there has but, not been proven the same thing. On look at the top movies of the, of the summer okay, well, any given year. It's this three, that seven, this four. Sure, those do well, right? But we consistently also see really great grosses from new IPs. And we're not seeing Very rarely. Right. I mean, I think Gravity okay, okay. is the exception to that Okay, rule. so the highest grossing films uh, of all time. So number one is a new IP, Avatar. Right. Okay. Number two is Titanic. Well, all time, all okay. time definitely skews things because now you're bringing in home video and all that kind of crap. But then after that, it's... The Avengers, which is part part of the franchise, Harry Potter franchise, Iron Man franchise, Transformers franchise, Lord of the Rings franchise, Skyfall. Fr- there is not and a single those, movie that is not part of a franchise. And those titles have done awesome because so, of their home and, video and sales. Avatar, and Avatar's you, about to become a franchise. You're, look, you're including all the home video sales. You're just trolling me at no, this no, point. No, you're not, you're, you're no, comparing, no. You're comparing lifetime sales of all these movies, including box office and home videos, to but, what I'm saying, which is one year sales. What were the best but, top sales? But then, I think you would find that the same thing is the case in in this just calendar year 2013 for for films with gravity being the notable exception but the show me a notable exception in our list of top 10 for 13 here's the the top three movies of 2013 highest highest grossing okay number one hunger games catching fire sequel number two iron man three sequel number three despicable me me two sequel All right. All right. Well, people start watching and playing new stuff. But the more salient point that you're trying to make is, I think, a valid one, which is that. Well, how can you come back and say that after you just led the charge to undermine everything I said? No, 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 no. I wasn't undermining you. I was, I was saying that 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 is it is common to multiple types of media. But it it is still a problem. It's it's not unique to this to to gaming. It just is still we we want the. The reason I relate to the, to what you're saying is because I look at that list and I go, well, I liked GTA Five, and I like I like Minecraft. What else on the top ten as a gamer am I excited about? Nothing. I I really was extraordinarily disappointed by Battlefield. Well, well you're you're excited about Assassin's Creed, right? I mean, Black well, I, Black, I, Black, Black was a great, you know. Yeah, everybody. Like, I I it's you know Assassin's Creed isn't isn't really my my bag. Oh, I, I acknowledge it's a great. It everybody seems to think it was a great game. Mm-hmm. I. It's not really my bag. So I'm just saying, looking at the top 10, much like looking at the top 10 of, you know, summer movies when it's, you know, Transformers and Fast and the Furious and all these things where I'm like, it's not, these aren't movies for me. Uh, And I would argue that the top 10 games in terms of sales, uh, 
better than the top 10 movies because the top 10 movies includes Man of Steel. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue with that. That was a disappointment, too. Yeah, that, that was... Ice burn. <laughs> so, but, you know, I also think that the fact that these these huge franchises, much like movies, get people to go to the gaming store, i.e. Yeah, the do. movie theater, you know, it's they like... Do. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I I think you're right in that there is going to be, as these budgets continue to grow and and production costs are out of control, there's going to be more and more aversion to creating interesting things, which is the gap is now being filled just like it did in the movie industry with the sort of indie movement there with our indie movement, which is filling that gap of of creativity and interesting – wholeheartedly agree yeah i want to see though still a little more you know break in the ice for those other games for those summer hits yeah. to be so to say since that was a terminology we're using I, to be creative and new as well i think we'd see a lot more uh hits if uh the npd did, didn't combine all the skews so, right well of course you yeah. know if we because obviously a game like the last of us which is on one platform Hard to compete when which you're... was which they did say on a skew to skew basis that Last of Us was uh, figured in there. The other ones, of course, were Pokemon. <laughs> unsurprisingly, yeah. So and also we're not we're not taking into account PC sales and yeah. yeah and I, I was going to say stuff, stuff yeah. if there if there's a silver lining to be found is that maybe you'll find something more original, like in terms of download sales, something like I was about to say Hearthstone, but that's not out yet. But you y- you get what I mean. Just like you'll see, probably see newer franchises on on downloads. Well, speaking of downloads, uh, at John Murphy one on Twitter uh, submitted a question for us to get into, which is this big subject of net neutrality. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who uh, have not been completely up on the story, on Tuesday, a Washington appeals court struck down the FCC's net neutrality rules. And essentially what the net neutrality rules amounted to were a set of controls that told uh, your cable or your internet provider that they had to provide you the same uh, amount of had to provide the same amount of bandwidth into you that you were like if you buy 15 gigs download speed that you get that no matter what you're connecting to if you're connecting to google that's great and if you're connecting to youtube that's great and it's all coming through the same speed so they struck that down and the reason they struck this down as a technicality it's because the fcc commission has not classified your internet service as a common carrier the way the telephone service is they're actually uh been ruled in 2002 they were uh, put in uh, as information service providers, which was the FCC bowing to corporate pressure. And here is the real problem with the way uh, the bureaucracy works, which is that the FCC commissioners, of course, are part of the political machine. And by virtue of being part of the political machine, they are subject to in- incredibly intense pressure Lobbying. from the money. lobbyists. Money. The, exactly. From money. And that's the problem that we face right now is trying to get the, the like there might be one commissioner who'd be willing to walk out in front of the freight train and say, you know, what, we need to make these guys common carriers. But to get the get to get two more to do that in the political landscape is going to be really, really, really challenging. And so now you have this situation where, you know, the, the companies are going to start pressing it. They can, not only can they do caps, they can do even, you know, the more, the more scary thing, which is 
basically packet shape. They can shape your con. They can shape your yeah. connection based off of where you're surfing, where you're surfing, yeah. who they're. So imagine a world where you know you have Comcast internet <laughs> and Comcast isn't playing friendly with Netflix, or Netflix, or on the other hand, isn't playing friendly with them and giving them whatever money they want. So they're throttling Netflix, yeah. and suddenly you can't you can't stream Netflix. You've got a thirty gig down. But you can't stream Netflix because Comcast is throttling you say megabit, it. not gig, but yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry. It's, I, yeah. I don't know where I got that. That's right. I, that's right. Thank you for fixing me because I was just in my stream of thought. Uh, you've, you've got this connection and it's plenty fast to stream, but you can't stream Netflix now because Netflix and Comcast don't get along. And so now they hold Netflix hostage and say, Netflix, if you want to get our, you know, if you want to reach our, you know, however many million people it is, you're going to have to pay us. To unthrottle your service, mm-hmm. and even and guess, who, guess where they pass along those sales, those uh, yeah, pass along that uh, that savings right to you, the customer. And, and by so, savings, I mean increasing prices. And someone pointed out, they go, "This is all hypothetical." But when's the last time a cable company ever did anything that made us happy? It's not hypothetical. It will definitely, it will definitely go down like that. And and the worst part is they will sell you with bullshit like join Comcast and get your Netflix faster than anywhere else on the net because now they'll turn around and say, you know what we're doing for you, Jeff? We're we're making your Netflix experience better because we're prioritizing that Netflix traffic. And so all the other people who are trying to surf and do crazy shit that's slowing down your connection, we're 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 taking care of that problem for you. Mm-hmm. We're going it's going to be better and you're going to be happier for it. Yeah. You're not looking at me like you believe me. No, I I do. It's a scary vision. No, you're not looking at me like you believe my sales pitch. It's going to be oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. I yeah. mean, in general, I just assume that everything that a cable uh, company tells me is a lie. Well, it won't be just, <laughs> that's because you have Time Warner. Well, keep yes. in mind, it won't be just cable. It will be cable. It'll be DSL. It'll be oh, it'll be Fios, a whole raft anyway. of things. It, it, you know, all, all of a sudden, if you want, do you want to link to a peer to peer service? Well, we don't really like. We assume that people who link to peer to peer services are doing nefarious things. So we're going to make it real slow when you link to peer to peer services right. because we're assuming that you're being a bad person, or you know, it, it's a whole. I I do wonder if this will bring back like. The 56k era of looking at porn, where you're just like the image is like slowly loading from the top Which, to the bottom. Let's be honest, super hot when you have to like imagine. Well, oh my god, I think a boob is coming soon. Super, super hot. Really? Maybe, maybe this is a good thing. So I think it's the return to ANSI, <laughs> ANSI imaging. Oh god. <laughs> so how does this strike you then, uh, Ozzy? Xbox Live faster with Time Warner. That's what I'm worried about. That's what's to stop someone like Comcast or Time Warner from going to someone like Sony and saying, "Hey, we'll we'll offer you know get in bed with us and we'll just offer P- we'll offer a PSN faster to our customers than anybody else." Well, and, and it- conversely, we'll hamstring your comp- your competitor. And yeah, and all yeah, it's going to affect console sales at some point. And which- then Sony's going to be like, "Please make it, do anything to make PSN faster. Just do it." <laughs> It's it, so joking aside. I think that's a very, very it's a scary very, it's a, future. It's a very oh. valid concern. And then, of course, we haven't talked about Twitch. Twitch has become such a huge thing in the in the in the gaming landscape these past few weeks. So, if your bandwidth is suddenly capped, or if you're you know if your bandwidth is throttled in any way, you're going to miss out on that experience. All all due respect to Twitch, I'm much more worried about Microsoft, who's already been out in working in North America to get one's TV service set up, working with cable providers, being able to go in, already having a good negotiating platform and work out deals where, uh, you know, where Xbox live is a prioritized service and PSN isn't. And that would, I, I would just, I'd probably lose my shit. <laughs> no, I don't I think they're probably out. I mean, that's just, that is such a, awful awful future and and the fact that it's driven by politics and a complete screw up by the fcc a decade ago in their unwillingness to like recognize well, that 
Yeah, it was a bunch of old people who didn't understand what the heck they were talking about. It wasn't that they didn't understand. No, it's, it's that, that they weren't that leveraged. They, yeah, it's that they sort of... They knew know, exactly what they were dude, doing. Dude, you have a guy standing up in the, in the middle of Congress going, the internet's a series of tubes. You think he freaking understood what the hell he was talking about? Yeah, it's no. Hard, it's hard for a 67-year-old congressman to understand what the internet is. I can't buy that explanation when they created a special class called information service yeah. providers just to sort of create this shady gray area so that they could put off those decisions so those assholes who made the decision could line their pockets and be okay with the politics then and say and leave it for somebody else to clean up and I now mean, it's all now it's here shit. now it's, the time is to clean it up and somebody's got to clean it up it's very frustrating so yes if you're out there <laughs> listening to this over the internet you should be active in the speaking to everybody in your representative government that you can and telling them that this is unacceptable and that you are not willing to accept uh, a non uh, non-common carrier world of your internet provider yes we- you know, online online uh, online activism has been affected before. Look how well, look how everyone rallied to uh, stop SOPA from happening. Yes, but don't underestimate the power of with politi- politicians a call or a actual physical letter. Yes, those actually hold considerably more weight in especially political if discussions. you include a check for millions of dollars. <laughs> no, you, yeah, so you say that's it's an, and I and that's funny, but don't I don't want to I want to repeat no, this no, point. Yeah, no, it's no, actually very serious. It's if true. you call. Then office of your senator or, or congressperson write. or write yeah. them on paper, it will be taken infinitely more seriously. It's true. And I'll, I'll add a, a little bit of a, even a, a personal revelation I made about, about that point. I mean, it's as people who are sort of putting something out into the universe and w- the very few people who uh, – of of the audience that listens to our show, it's a very few – a small number of people that actually communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Those small amount of communications have larger weight. So it's, you know, when, when you go and you read a, a forum and it's a bunch of uh, people yelling at you or you get an, an email of someone saying, oh, my gosh, that was a great show. It It is magnified. The power of that is magnified because a whole bunch – there's thousands of people who don't do that. Yep. So those small voices speak for larger numbers and that is – that is something that as as someone who's experienced it firsthand and going, oh, yeah, it's true. I start thinking that the entire audience feels this way because I hear from a very small group of people. And then I, I always have to remind myself, oh, you know, everybody doesn't feel the way these few voices do. That I go, oh, that's exactly it with politicians. It's the same thing. Well, they hear from a yep. very small number of people and they just think, oh, my gosh, our entire constituency feels this way. Well, and the difference is also this. The politician worries about their bank account until they worry about not getting reelected. And someone sending an email to them is something that the politician can just say, oh, you know, it's just someone sending me an email. It took them five seconds. That's not a big deal. But someone who takes the time to call them or well, write a letter now might be someone who takes the time to vote. That is exactly, exactly. the point yep. is that they, those are the people who vote, the people who care enough to do that stuff. Yep. And which is even the bigger point, vote. Yeah, well, always vote. Always, always, always vote. Educate yourself and vote. I mean, it's yeah, that's soapbox for today. But seriously. Vote. All right. Well, let's put being the, this, uh, apathetic helps no one. Let's put the soapbox back under the table. We're halfway through episode 200. Stick around. We will be back with more Weekend Confirmed. Do
Doghouse Systems, launching their new and improved website at the end of this month. Launching their limited special edition systems. High-end powerful gaming computers. Best performance for value. Gorgeous graphics, high-resolution, ironclad stability, and zero-frame lag. Everything from lightweight laptops to robust desktops. Superior and personal customer service. Use code TGIF for a free weekend confirmed t-shirt and a $30 credit on SlashLoot.com. Go to www.doghousesystems.com to see which system fits your needs today. That was pretty fun. <laughs> hey, if you're looking for a computer to play that Daisy standalone, you could do no better than a doghouse system. Jeff and I both love our systems very much. As you can tell from us having fun with the uh, read there. <laughs> These are great guys. Make a great product. We both endorse them. Indeed. So there you go. You know the deal. Go to www.doghousesystems.com to check out their systems. You can use code TGIF for that free weekend confirmed t-shirt and your $30 credit on Slash Loot. And of course, they have that new website that'll be launching here anytime. So enjoy it. Check it out. Yeah. New computers too. New computers. I'm not ready quite yet, but uh, I, I, you never know. Sometime soonish. Maybe. Nah, be the guys. I'm probably I'll probably be this fall for a new one, but they will definitely be. I'll definitely be going back to them. So there you go. Doghousesystems.com. Now I'm all fired up. You are all fired up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, all I want to do is get to the freaking tailgate. God, you're yelling at me. That's all I want. Jesus. It, it, it may or may not have something to do with the champagne we just had. Uh, that, was... that didn't go very well. But... Nobody's even commented on my mustache. <laughs> Well, which it doesn't really by, work by, in radio. Which, by the yeah. way, if you want to see Jeff's mustache and our horrible toast, uh, go to the Weekend Confirmed <laughs> Facebook page. Check it all out. It's ridiculous. That was not artisanal toast. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what I realized? I realized that um, for this mustache, I have to like upgrade my wardrobe. This is not uh, a upgrade. Yeah, this is upgrade. not a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, kind no, you of need mustache. you need like flannel shirts. Or you, you, like you need more collars. You yeah, definitely, definitely need more collars. collars. Yeah, a cape yeah. of some sort. <laughs> Again, Earl Flynn. It's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah, I was comparing you to Zorro earlier. <laughs> it's uh, I've gotten a lot. <laughs> Which, which I guess it was like, yeah, uh, a lot of people. And again, Spicer's easy. pencil mustache T-shirt joke thing is is yeah. not lost on us. I I keep forgetting that I have it, and I get in Je the elevator with people, and they like give me <laughs> sideways. Je Jeff, you're a wrestling fan. You'll appreciate this reference. I'm gonna get you a Cody Rhodes shirt. Oh, okay, all right, that's good. Yeah. How about we talk about some games? Okay. You don't all right. Talk about my facial hair anymore? <laughs> well, again, watch the video so you can check it out. <laughs> Uh, if you're playing games out there, like we've been playing games, we were talking about downloadable games. The you know the first game of the of the new year for PS4, Don't Starve. Yeah, talking from, about good indie games from Clay. Already have been out, but uh, Clay is really cool. You know, Clay uh, have done uh, what have they done with Don't Starve? They have done uh, Mark of the Ninja, right. and then they did the Shank games. Yeah. I met him. I met him at PAX three. Wow, four. However long ago it was when Shank was yeah, first coming out. I remember that. And I love what they've done. And Don't Starve is not like Shank no. or Mark of the Ninja. It's not. It's it's really cool game. Have you played it at all? Yeah, I played it on PC a little bit. Uh, I would was hoping to get back to it. It was a Steam sale game that I uh -huh. picked up. And, um, you know, sometimes you in those frenzy of, of Steam sale games and you sort of don't play it as much as you had hoped because you, you know, some other things. But... Uh, you're, you're digging it on PS4. Yeah, I really, really like it. Yeah. I really like the game a lot. Although, I have to say, I'm wondering how <laughs> long I will stick with it because as much as I like the game and its systems, there's some 
element of it that's not really keeping me super engaged. So let's back up a second. Don't Starve, as the name gives away, is a survival game. And you have. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when we. Remember many episodes ago when we were on that big, long jaunt of just, you know, figuring out a game. Oh, like, just put me on an island and see if I can make it, you know? And this is that game. This is that game. This is that game. Yeah. This is that game. Uh, it's it's based around a so it's it, real time combat and action, but action and combat are not the primary focus of the game. The primary focus of the game is not uh, starving. Is not starving, and it really draws from Minecraft mm-hmm. in this whole idea of you have to survive, you have to figure out how to make it overnight. Yeah, and one of the things is that you know, and we're gonna this would be spoiler ish because one of the things about the game is that it tells you nothing about the game. Right. The game literally starts by your player appearing on the ground in front of this being who like tells you a little little, little bit of intro and then play. There you go. Yeah. Survive. Survive. And actually I want to talk about that because which is a lot like how Minecraft starts when you play the kind of single right. version. But the question I want to ask is why when did when did it become okay to just completely have no tutorial whatsoever and why is it now like this big thing of well everybody who gets to the other side of it says oh well you see it's part of the experience well it, it is i mean yeah. you're no sort it's of, not you're i don't sort of, buy that at all no i i agree with you I, I i personally wish that there were more hand-holding and don't starve but the character you know himself he's just put in this bizarre situation doesn't know what's going on doesn't know what to do theoretically it's just like all right, I guess I'll go die now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and so by being put in that like contextless situation, you're you're put in the same shoes as the character. That I don't have a complaint with. My complaint is misequating that to not telling the player how to even interact with the fucking game <laughs> because that's just <laughs> dumb. That that's like there's there's one thing to saying, okay, let's let's talk about it from a design standpoint. The the idea is that you project yourself into this player into the character the character doesn't know what's going on and the character has to figure things out but the character still knows how to use its fucking hands the characters <laughs> maybe it doesn't the character still knows i've had, I've had those kind of mornings <laughs> you follow what i'm saying though the yeah. character still knows what to do the st- character still knows how to when it goes over to clean the twigs off this tree clean the twigs off the tree they're giving me nothing other than walking up to something and now there's some prompts and i have to stumble out. i go oh okay so oh i press this button and this does this oh i guess well so i press l2 then that brings up this oh there's some crafting stuff over here like yeah it, and and here's even the dumber part of this whole thing if you're coming at it from the standpoint of i as, the, as i'm projecting myself into the character and i don't know how and i don't know what's going on why is it that you don't tell me how to do anything but you'll spell out the formulas for crafting everything it's, that's re, that is counter design mm. you're, you're you're not telling me the part the, the part that would be interesting to learn would be what do i put together to make things how do i make rope how do I how do I start a fire? Instead, though, that's spelled out for me. I press L two. It shows me a fire. I know. Oh, I need that. That. And that. Okay, I can make a fire because that's the part I wouldn't know. Not that. Oh, I pull L two to do this. Like, tell me the parts that are interaction. Tell right. me the parts that let me play your game. But don't tell me the parts that are actually discovery. Right. Sorry, I just that 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 whole I agree with disconnection you. there was really off putting. It's like this is so dumb. And now that I know how to play the game. And past it, and it's fine, and it's cool. But that, 
that is really dumb. And then the whole insistence by people who get past it of like, oh, well, it's part of the experience. Bullshit. <laughs> it's not a good experience. It's bad. The experience would be cool if it was me actually discovering stuff vis-a-vis the player. Right. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is me just stumbling around with the controls for the first time trying to figure out, well, what the hell? How do I do this? Right. When, when but the player lot, would know how to do those awful things. Awful lot of games like that. Right I know it's become a thing. It's become a thing, and I think, and I'm, and I'm raising a hand and saying, you know what? Stop supporting this. It's a dumb thing. You know what it is? It's kind of the equivalent to hazing to get into a frat. It's it is like, totally like that. It's like it's horrible, but then the guys that have gone through it are like, oh yeah, no, yeah. that's uh, it, it. Makes me, it makes you like this experience so much more because we had to endure the shit to yeah. get in here. It's bogus. Like it, it, no, it's, 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 that whole, bogus. it's that whole Dark Souls thing where you just yeah. kind of like gotta learn trial by fire type of thing. No, thank you. Um, yeah, I guess. Although Dark Souls, I haven't. It's been a while since I played Dark Souls, so I think I can't off the top of my head remember whether it teaches you how to do the blocking and that sort well, of. Well, there's stuff, a but. hell of a lot of stuff it does not teach you. Okay, there's, there's a hell of a lot of stuff. But you yeah, open but up like, that giant menu and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, I still think the the biggest offense in 2013 was Metal Gear Rising not teaching you how to lock on. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Such a, I, I feel like I feel like reviews for that game would have been completely different if they just bothered to put one screen at the beginning <laughs> of the game being like just 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 lock on. It'll it'll make things better. All I got out of the whole thing was it's like you can slice anywhere. I'm like, okay, that's kinda cool, but you know, how do I you know And you gotta learn how to lock on by the bosses, especially the last boss or you're in I, 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 I played that game without knowing how to lock on. How did you and finish then, the last boss? Because all those things that... There were he, lots of tears. Lots of, <laughs> even the parts where he's up on top of the buildings and throwing the br- rocks. How did you solve I, that? I'm a right analog stick master, really. Wow. Just, <laughs> I, I took that whole thing for granted because my exposure to uh, Rising was at a press event and they ha- one of the reps had to tell me how to lock on. So hmm. that was uh, that was something. So hmm. back to Don't, Don't Starve. Yeah, I think that Maybe that to a degree is part of what undermined it for me because now that I realize that, oh, I can just, you know, you, you figure it out. You go to the crafting menu and you can page through everything, see what's needed to make it. And then it starts to become a organizational game. So you have to start setting up in your head of, okay, what do I need to be able to build next in order to survive? What do I need to get that? And you start and it, and it becomes very to-do list oriented right mm-hmm. now so and and you do you think of it I, I really literally think of it as a daily to-do list because there's a day and night cycle which is yeah. a very important part of the game and i know that by the end of the day i need to have some food which increasingly becomes a real problem and i need to have fire because if it gets completely dark overnight you die right and so i know i've got those two things to do so i've got i've got to immediately go out make sure i've got that taken care of and then what is it i'm trying to work towards and it becomes very methodical in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more I've played the game, that sort of took a little bit of the sheen off of it because I, I think that what's really cr- clever about what they've done is the interconnected systems in the game are really, really well done. Mm-hmm. You know, so y- there's a number of ways that you can survive. You can try and, you know, build traps and trap rabbits. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you could build a rabbit hutch and keep your own rabbits. And the same thing that like, goes on, you can go down a farming path, you can go down a fishing path and all those sorts of things. And it's a really complex set of systems but it does very quickly because you can see all those recipes. There's not a lot of discovery. Like the whole thing about discovery actually gets thrown out the window because there isn't any discovery. You're more going to this list. It's like a spreadsheet and saying, hmm, okay, I need to get, I, oh, you know what would be really beneficial to me is if I could have X. Mm-hmm. And in order to get X, I know I need, you know, uh, five logs, which requires that I chop down 20 trees and I need three bundles of grass and some reeds. <clears throat> yeah. And then you're just going out and getting those things. 
And it would have been much more interesting to me to be in a in a sort of uh, more alchemist like situ- situation of trying to figure it out, like what Towncraft on yeah. on iOS, iOS did, yeah. because then you did you were kind of and and it was more it was a more frustrating up front. But once you start to get into it, like the first few times you discover something like, oh, that was really cool because now you are actually like, well, I wonder what happens if I put this together with, oh shit, that made this. That's cool. And then you have the recipe and you feel like you own it because you found that recipe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's maybe it's personal opinion. No, I think you, I think I completely agree with that. The, the idea of discovering how to make stuff is more fun than the idea of discovering how to actually play the game. Yeah. So but also there is something to the idea of going, well, I like, I want to plan my day. I want to pl- yep. have my plan of attack going off and venturing off into the woods, uh, what I'm shooting for. And it's like, well, there's a certain amount of stumbling around that they just remove because you can. And I, and I think one thing that they, the, the counterpoint, I cannot imagine how much testing they must have done to get the balance so right, because it is unbelievable how smoothly the transition from okay i've got some food to okay i need to get some food to wow starving is going to be a real problem becomes as you start to because basically what happens is you sort of establish a spot that's going to be your base camp and once you start working on your base camp there are there are natural resources that you can you know replant and and culture coming back but you do sort of like increasingly have a zone around your around your space that is increasingly barren, mm-hmm. and so now the daily the daily event is oh I've got to go out a little further oh I got to go out a little further but that's a little more time consuming but maybe there's a path and if I follow the path I can move faster but if I move faster I get further away so now when I go off the path I really have to manage my time because I don't want to get stuck out there or at least I have to carry enough junk with me to make a torch so right. I can make it back to my campsite and they've done a great job of balancing those pieces out. To where you really do get that sense of uh, of making you know important balanced decisions all the time. Everything that you're doing really impacts. Like, what am I going to do? Like, do I? Well, I you know it's it looks like it's about halfway through the light cycle. Mm-hmm. I only have five logs. I know I need eight, but then I wanted to work on getting some timber. So maybe I need to make some. More, am I going to go cut trees now? And you know, it's like yeah, you, you get, there's a lot of really cool decision making that happens all the time in the game, and that's why I liked it. And in the small amount that I played it, is that that's I I love that aspect of any game where I'm constantly deciding my my strategy on the fly, or really my tactics on well, the fly. You, you should go back to this. Yeah, I, and as so you have PS yeah. Plus, it's free, mm. and. I think the other thing that's really well done about it is it's a great vehicles for it's a great vehicles for Clay's charm and Clay has this ability that they showed in Shank and Mark the Ninja like they they have a really cool artistic vision yeah. and it it works so well in this game it's just like the whole the whole creative uh, atmosphere of the game fits really well with what it is and it really speaks to me and I just I think that it's a really well done nicely done title great I really 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 highly highly recommend it and I, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I would definitely recommend just going, like learning how to play it a little bit online. It's not, I, I, I want to go back to that thing. Like what do you, like from the other, this whole deal about, oh, it's part of the experience. Like how does dying because you didn't know how to play the game or didn't know how to use the interface really make part of the experience? Like, are you okay with this? Like, what do you guys think about this as, as this increasingly popular thing for especially survival games? First instinct is normally to go to one of my friends and ask how they approached it. And, but I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it. I kind of like that it does 
somewhat add to that whole thing that you're flying blind, like you're in a situation that kind of relates to the character. But at the same time, I'd like to know kind of how to approach the game. Yeah, I, I'm gen generally feel like I don't want to go through that. <laughs> I don't want to have to just keep beating my head against the wall. And it really, I think, ends up turning people to find it online, go to a fact, go to a walkthrough, mm-hmm. go to a this, which I have never enjoyed. Which I, is just circumventing the experience anyway. Exactly. And uh, the reason I equivocated slightly when I started this answer is because so many MMOs work that way. Yeah. Uh, but I think the social structure is built into the MMO and sort of the, and while it doesn't always work that well, but the, the, the whole idea of asking your friends or, or being in a situation where there's other players that are going to help you out or you'll learn things from other players, it's sort of built into the structure of those types of games. So I have less of a problem with it then, but I really don't like the idea of like Monster Hunter or, or all these games where, Step one, download the fact. You know, step one is go and hmm. the game is going to teach you. Don't start playing it because you're going to go down the wrong path too fast or whatever it is. Monster like, Hunter might not have been the best example because Monster Hunter does do a pretty good job of showing you how to play the game. Oh, okay. Let's go. That's to a very long, has a very, like the very first four hours of the game are all, are basically all tutorial. Can, yeah, can, I guess that's what, true. What about another game that gave Jeff some trouble? Uh, Pokemon. What about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I want to be clear. I don't I'm not against tutorials or for tutorials. I think that there are plenty of games like I think that Don't Starve really, really works. And it's immerse immerse the person in the in the player and the player experience. What I'm saying is if the player is doing things in the game, it's not bad to show the player how to use the control interface that you set up. Don't leave them to fumble around to figure out how to use L2 to open the crafting menu to then page through the crafting menu. Just explain that shit to them and move on and let them figure out how to play the game. I mean, there might be a metagame. There might be some game where a part of the immersion is figuring out how to use the controls because the player in the game is figuring out how to use the controls. I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible to do in most cases though, where, where the controller in your hand is an interface for you to interact with the game don't 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 make that some sort of stupid mystery because it's yeah. not it's not part of your game it's not part of your it's not part of what you're trying to do you well know? i think we're also kind of talking about two different things one one of them is just the pure mechanics of my interaction yes with this that's all i'm soft that's all i'm talking about is interaction with the piece yeah, of software. which i think is rarer than the other thing we're talking about which is sort of like okay i'm in the game what do i do sometimes that's good I think that is where when it is can be good, and and the prime example of that is Minecraft. In that, when you hop into a, a game of Minecraft in the sort of gameplay mode of that game, there's something magical about. Oh my gosh, what do I do now? Oh my gosh, there's something after me. Oh my gosh, how do I? I better run up to this tree. I don't even know what to do. Let me just smack it. Oh wow, wood fell out of it. Oh, the discovery aha is pretty that's awesome. Pretty magical, yeah. So that and and then there's a lot of games that rely on that. And I think those are the things we're kind of talking about is that, well, I'm in this world. I see these systems. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are sort of hit and miss because even, even though sometimes it's like, well, if you just kind of let, give me a clear. Well, crafting has become a what, big part of this because crafting is, right. is one thing that's really taken over of late and MMO players kind of chuckle because crafting has always been a part of MMOs. Right. right. But not in the same but way. It, it, it's kind of evolved. Since yeah. Exactly. So I'm wondering when the, when, when we'll see the MMO that gets the evolution of crafting, because it really seems well, like it would be great for that. EverQuest Next looks like it's on the right track. I was just about to say that too. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
I mean, really, there's two MMOs there, and one of them is the sort of pure crafting mm-hmm. MMO where you're actually building things, and then that shuttles into the other MMO. Um, Which is like finding stuff to build stuff with. Something yeah. like Terraria or Starbound or kind of also fall in that same category where you're just... You're, there's one game where you're just like kind of traversing the world exploring, but then there's also the whole other thing of crafting and just like kind of building your your home base. I, have you I played Starbound? I have not played Starbound. I'm yet, really but. interested in that game, especially yeah. after seeing so many people talk about it lately because it's been getting more and more, more and more patches as it continues forward on its development. Yeah, I mean, I've just heard Starbound described as like ter- Terraria in space. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's the way it's been described. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that that's interesting because, you know, the MMO crafting system was very rote. It was, you know, combine three, you know, dragon livers with five eyeballs and a stick mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get this. And dragon liver eyeball stick. <laughs> dragon liver eyeball stick. <laughs> yes. And there's still games that work that way. It's still Guild Wars 2 and that type of thing. It still kind of work on that old crafting system. Right. You know, and, and as you level up, you buy new formulas and you go back to the crafting guy and you craft some more. Yeah. And, and it don't... starts to feel like a grind after a while. Right. But, you know, let me, I want to bring up another game. And it's that... much more fun when you just find it. Uh, there's another game that I think uh, came and went too quickly. I mean, it's still around, but I, I think um doesn't get enough credit for using the idea of crafting in a gameplay sense and that is magicka did you play magicka the the well and there the crafting was combining your magic yes that which was is really wonderful hip. and I it agree. is so much fun when you realize oh my god you kind of blew my mind when you said that but i thought about it, i was like oh yeah it's a great system of of adding that level of creativity and and personality into what is really just an action experience more more an mm-hmm. action experience than a you know minecraft kind of creation experience but you're still a- allowed to express yourself and discover. There's a lot of discovery in that game of like, oh my gosh, when I add the electricity to that bomb, uh, you know, uh, spell, I can create the electric bomber. But but then they or just how to create re- how to create the area of effect addition exactly. to a spell. How to create you know chaining and targeting like so wonderful. Really cool. You're right. That yeah. is really cool. Does, and it's all doesn't it's Path all... of Exile pull that off though? Does, doesn't well, Path of Exile does it in a different way. It's not so much. It's it's more loot based, and so you're restricted by what what you've got uh, uh, you know what gems you've you've got but yeah there's still some of that uh, magica really was was cool because it was about uh finding the button combinations that are your spell and then combining those button combinations so you're really pulling off combos but they're more than combos they're sort of crafted spell combos and i loved that i just thought that was so interesting and i wish more games allowed that kind of creativity and expression in in their combat I think it would be also cool because we're, I, we've got to say we're talking about emergent gameplay because right. that's kind of the buzzword. But I think it would be really cool if uh, you know a game were to carry this idea a little further and start to build around an idea of giving lots of uh, item, lots of elements in the game, material properties, and and somehow there is a like actual crafting crafting system like, yeah like that you know everything has a set of properties and instead of there just being formulas that you're discovering that there could be true combinations of things to make things hmm. and i don't know how exactly that works i mean it obviously would still break down to whatever the properties were of each item and you'd have to be able to combine the properties but it seems like there's room for something that would be really really creative and clever there yeah that would allow you to like like you know essentially build your own things inside the game and and have them have dynamic properties created off of the items that you put together yeah that would be really cool 
Yeah, that would be, be really super cool. cool. And then you could also develop around that. You could develop your craftsman's ability based off of the ability to do different things to items. So let's say so you, like one person could be like a stonemason and their ability to create high-level stone pieces would be based off of all the things they've done. And so maybe yeah. you need to get something from them in order to combine it with something from, you know, a artisan jeweler or whatever, you know, like they really there's like a whole level of cool stuff that could be done there. Yeah, no, I think that I'm convinced that the popularity and uh <laughs> ubiquitousness of of minecraft in with young gamers is going to lead to more experiences like that i love it I this is too. all non-combative this is all non-combative this is like this is the not a first person shooter game right and it is it, i think that those are the types of experiences that that these young younger players are going to start to expect and when they come of age and when they start creating their own games I think we're going to see much, much more of that. And I can't wait because I think that that is really a untapped level of, of interactivity and cre- creativity that games haven't achieved yet. And when we see such, you know, I remember the old <laughs> the demo uh, that they showed for the, for the um, physics system in, um, what was that Star Wars game that had like all the different properties of the uh, Jedi... God, what, Force Unleashed? Force Unleashed. Remember the original oh, right, demo because, of Force right, Unleashed? Because, yeah. because of the, what was the name of that silly engine? The yeah. Aurora, not Aurora, but they, they had a name for their physics engine. Yes. I and can't remember showing, what it is either. But. They were showing force pushing and people. And, yeah, and it's yeah. like wood breaks differently than, yeah, yeah. than steel the, breaks. The, and, the original trailer of bringing down the Star Destroyer, like that that kind of thing with this. It was untapped potential. It really was. Yeah, it was. it looked great. But, but I remember specifically the physics system and how all these different uh, I, uh, different materials had different properties. Glass behaved differently than you know stone right. behaved different. And I love the 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 fact that you know we're, as we get technologically able to to create more sophisticated simulations of real world physics and different materials, and then putting that putting that in a creation environment rather than just a destruction environment, that would be so exciting. I bring that game on, make that game happen because I mean Minecraft is awesome, but everything's just a a, a box that behaves differently it was it was the euphoria euphoria engine. well done it was the euphoria engine yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a hell of a name for an engine too yeah so anyway if you have a ps4 obviously don't starve is free for you if you have ps plus if not it's 15 dollars. i have no problem recommending it especially if it's free but if you're going to spend the 15 dollars, do take a look around and see if it's the sort of game that you'd be interested in but uh very 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 well and lovingly put together great experience if you're on xbox one your digital game that you've been playing probably would be Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. And Ozzy's been able to check that out. It's not an Xbox One, is it? I've been playing on an Xbox 360, which, which uh, I remember on the uh, I, I remember on the year-end shows, uh, Jason Paul came in and named it his Game of the Year. So that, I, was I, was ar- five. I was already interested in it, but, I, but that kind of piqued my interest just a little more. So I went ahead and got it off the year-end sale off of uh, the Xbox Live Marketplace, and I tried it out, and it's just... It's a beautifully told game. It's a beautiful narrative, and it it's so surprising how they do it with so many minimalistic aspects. Like, there's no dialogue, there's no text trees, there's there's basically just like your imagination. Like when you're just passing through that world and you're seeing stuff in the background, like like the the War of the Giants, or like you're seeing like the trolls toiling, toiling in the mines. And it's up to you to determine what what's going on, like what kind of world you're in, what's the story of it. And it just kind of blew my mind in a whole lot of ways. And I think it was, it was a short experience, but it's one that I'm going to carry with me for a long time. Absolutely loved it. And I know that you both and you both played. I think Andrew played it as well. 
Like it's, I've had no problem putting it up there in my top 10 for game of the year after that. It was just such. Yeah, it was number four I, for me. It was unlike anything I've ever played. My, my um, inattentive to the show notes self thought that he had played Max Curse of the Brotherhood. Ah. Uh, Which, did that, other that did come out. Yes, <laughs> it did come out. It, it, it's yeah. so funny because you even asked me what the subtitle was and I said, it's a tale of two sons. But, right. It's also, which I played you know, Brothers. I played Brothers. I, we, all, we, all, we all played this game. We all loved it. And Brothers is also going to be free on PlayStation Plus, I think, next week. So oh, that's good. Yeah, on PS3? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you haven't checked it out yet, that, that's a great, cheap way of getting into it. Yeah. Well, I'll just tell you that that's how hard it is to put together this show sometimes. <laughs> well, that's right. It's well worth talking about that game because it is, uh, it is a fantastic experience. And what an ending, right? It, oh, my God. The ending was, like, yeah. heart-wrenching. Yeah. Without Great. spoiling it, of course. It's a fairy tale. And fairy tales oftentimes... Swedish fairy tale. I'm not exactly like familiar with that folklore, but it actually kind of got me a little intrigued. It's a, it's a great also testament to what happens when someone outside of the games industry comes in and has really strong creative control and a great great team to work with mm-hmm. and is able to make something that's, uh, that's pretty special. He, can, pretty he special. came into this game as a fan of games. He was a filmmaker, but he's also a huge fan of games. So it, it's remarkable what you can get with someone from a, with a different skill set and a different perspective. Anyway, needless to say, uh, I was hoping to hear about Max Curse of the Brotherhood because I played that uh, at E3 last year and thought, oh, this is really cool, yeah, too. Yeah, I've heard really good things and, about it. I just have been so busy. That's on my list uh, to check out. Um, I've been playing Nidhogg, but just barely. There's a lot of, I mean, this is a sort of a lull period, but there's really some awesome experiences to be to be had. This is a right great now. time to catch up on all those games we missed. I know, yeah. and I'm still stuck without a one. Fucking Davidson got one for his birthday too. <sighs> the pressure. Happy con- birthday, John! Pressure continues oh. to mount. It's your fault not not having a birthday right now. I know, right? God, what's wrong with you, mom? Yeah, well, <laughs> why weren't you born in January? If I'd been born at the right time, I could have had an Xbox One for my birthday. How come <laughs> no one gave me one for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we have one more segment to go. I still have uh, questions from you. I have more to do than is time to do left in. Well, the... well we were gonna we were gonna look back at the first episode, right? Uh, we are gonna. We should do that too. Well, let's do that first when we come back, so that we don't lose that because that was definitely the most important thing. So we'll do that first. And there's a picture of that's like that looks like a real time picture of. Champagne, champagne. The, champagne that looks like champagne. That's not the right. That's the, not the wrong. <laughs> that's color. the color of champagne. Wow. I, are we doing a pool as to uh, how soon we all start vomiting from no. the other one? <laughs> Speak for yourselves. I was I was behind the camera on that one. Oh boy. <laughs> Wise move. All right, stick around. We will be right back to uh, conclude the 200th episode of Week and Confirmed. By popular demand, the dear story, dear, 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 dear just story. Just not as dramatic reading. The dear story, dear, 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 dear story. By popular demand, the dear story. With his head and antlers between my legs, I was in some pretty serious danger. Serious danger. Serious danger. And I told my kids, stay behind me. Serious danger. Serious danger. It had a wild, panicked look in its eyes. Serious danger. Serious danger. The deer charged me. Don't worry about me, kids. Serious danger. Serious danger. My kids were frozen with fear. Deer, deer. Serious danger. Serious danger. Deer. My sons, ages five, seven, and eight. Serious danger. Serious danger. Had said something valiant. Stay behind me. And turned tail. He sprang up and started to circle me. Serious danger. Serious danger. Look, kids, I'm safe. That's pretty much it. The whole encounter probably lasted less than a minute, but it felt like a weird story. Bringing back the classics. 
Yeah, you know. The deer yeah, story. man. The one deer of the more story. one of the most requested uh, bring back. <laughs> so they're everyone everyone gets their call back on the show. March twenty sixth, twenty ten. That was when we launched this whole thing. Can you believe wow, that? Yeah. You want a little frame of reference? You know what happened a couple weeks later? What? The iPad launched. The, the <laughs> We're first, older than the iPad? <laughs> the first iPad launched. Wow. The original iPad. The one that is like now we were, the ghetto iPad. We were in the pre-tablet era. Tablets were, were only something that Microsoft failed at. Yeah. Matter of <laughs> fact, in the next couple of shows, we, we talked about like, what are these iPads going to do for gaming? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Wow. Some of that stuff is pretty funny if you go back and listen we to it. We were so like, innocent. Oh, we had no idea a... that we'd all have tablets. Or or, and, ga- uh, or gaming on like cell phones and everything. And like yep. we didn't think we didn't think an- like iOS and Android gaming would be a thing. Who knew? So Jeff, it was you and I and of course Brian Leahy, who's, yeah. we, who we missed dearly. Brian we, we have to make sure and get Brian back before the uh, end of the studio run here. Yes, and I would think that would be essential. Remember the show was so it was in early days. We had mm. we had Leahy and what's he gonna say he? That's right. We had the whole front page the news. news. Right. Remember we had like real news on the show. <laughs> it was like it was like the old Kotaku. Oh, oh <laughs> ouch. Ouch. shot. Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> uh, what else we here's here's a blast. You wanna know what we talked about on the show? We yeah. talked about uh God of War Three, which I loved and reviewed at the time. And we talked about how uh, it was the accessible action game. Mm. And we compared it to, you know, how like you know Japanese games had like brought that in so much, but God of War Three was so much more immediately accessible and, and the way the combo system and the weapons all played into uh, like this great progression system. Mm-hmm. God of War Three actually really in, in hindsight really I think stands up pretty well. It's a great game. Everyone was into the God of War series back at that time. And it's so funny to see what what it is now because I'm thinking back to those year-end episodes, uh, the Christmas and the New Year's episodes. Yeah. You know what, what two games we didn't think of at all, weren't even mentioned, weren't even thought of? God of War Ascension and Gears of War Judgment. Both 2013 yeah. and both not even a blip on anyone's radar. Well, I mean, I think in God of War's case, it was just a... Uh, um, a well-intentioned but misguided step to be so heavily uh, focused on multiplayer. I mean, yeah. it's a game that it's a game that people loved single player. It is a single. It's but even action. the single player wasn't that remarkable. I mean, I, mean, I think all, it's I a think, series. I think the problem with the latest God of War is that God of War three happened, and three was just so complete that I think for yep. a lot of people it did close the book, and it's just not something that we needed to go back to. So soon after the end of three, you know, totally agree. And was, imagine, imagine if Breaking Bad came out with like a, I guess they are sort of doing this actually, spinoff. <laughs> hmm. But but you know, the, it it for a lot of people, I think they've closed the book and they're like they're ready to give it a break for a while. You know, yeah. so. it's like when Friends ended. You don't need another show right away. I do. Oh, I, I liked Joey. I didn't think it was that bad a show. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited to see what God of War looks like on PS4. Oh, I, so say so. we all. So say we all. Hey, the other one, Battlefield Bad Company Two, for his great popular, game, absolutely. Great game. So for as 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 great a you know run as Battlefield the core series has had since then, where the hell is the next Battlefield of Bad Company? Bad Two, Bad yeah. Company Two is great. I remember like we used to play this a ton online. The multiplayer was really well, fun. The story mode too. The story is mode so was well done. Was silly. But, yeah, but, but way better than Army of Two stuff. Oh yeah, and well, I mean, and it, the, I, I put them in the same sort of vein. Really, I don't. Yeah, not not very. I think serious. Bad Company is much more uh, coherent. You know, it's it's less it's less. Boy, you are cutting hairs to be coherent about either of them. Really? 
Yeah, I don't know. Bad I, I Company so. was it was like um, ridiculous PMCs with hockey masks or crazy squads. I don't know. I feel like it was more like Three Kings, sort of like the okay the idea of a of a war of a war story, but with a sense of humor and with you know okay. wacky. Know, you, three Kings isn't wacky, but you know what I mean. You you successfully sliced between them with Three Kings reference. Well yeah, done. Thank you. Well done. You succeeded. And of course, since Leahy was here, Starcraft two beta remember it wasn't wasn't even out it was starcraft 2 yeah. beta and he was dominating the uh ladders already and moving forward since he was a pretty damn good starcraft player yeah and you know starcraft has had an interesting run because the second game out but heart of the swarm mm-hmm. hasn't uh you know well it's it's at a, the it's time, a moba world it's a mobile that's really yeah it's re- it's really shows how much why the, blizzard is moving into the moba world as well yeah really shows how much MOBAs became the thing, right? Yeah. Like Starcraft RTS is aren't four years four years ago, StarCraft two was huge. And it was the it was the and it was it laid the foundation for BNet two. Yeah. It laid the foundation on which all this stuff is going to be done. And then Yeah. And then we moved into a Dota world. We moved into a League of Legends world. We're pretty soon going to be moving into a Heroes of the Storm world. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with that. Very interested to see what happens with that. Uh, and then, can I give you a prediction of what's going to happen to that? Yeah. It's going to be huge. Uh, yeah, surprise, <laughs> right? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like, it's I'm going not, to be I am, massive. I am not a MOBA guy, but when I went hands-on with uh, Heroes of the Storm, it's it's pretty good. It's I really like it. How far does the Dota likes run go? Not much farther. I, th- I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of also-rans. There's going to be a lot of failed attempts. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of, you know, DC, whatever that was called. Uh, Infinite, Infinite Crisis. Crisis. There's going to be a lot of... Uh, yeah, but there's going to be three mainstays. There's going to be three pillars. And I do believe Here's the Storm will be the third pillar. You know, the, another big game that we talked about on that first show, one of your favorites, Jeff, Just Cause 2. <laughs> Why do we talk about it? Because Just it was Cause. cause. <laughs> Just Cause. <laughs> the joke will still live, except except you have to remember that. Do you remember that Leahy actually stole your punchline on uh, that? Because yeah. you said, "Why do we talk about it?" He was like, "Just cause." You went, "Oh, you stole my punchline!" It was yeah. epic. It was absolutely epic. I still maintain the game is terrible. No, but... You're wrong. You're so wrong. It was so fun. Why do you not like fun, Jeff Kanata? I, yeah, I still that's re- me, enemy of fun. I still remember. I think it was like episode like fifty or sixty where you and you and Indy Jeff were just like both ganging up on Garnet over how bad Just Cause Two was. Really, I didn't. I don't remember Indy Jeff not liking it, but maybe he didn't. It wasn't indie enough. It wasn't. <laughs> the big story of the front page news, the 3DS. Oh, wow. Hey, look at that. Hey, remember when the 3DS was struggling? Oh, what did that we say about like a it? lifetime ago. What did we say? What did we say about it? We said the 3DS is like, it was all of the announcements, all of the stuff coming out of like, here's going to be, it was the, it was the lifting of the curtain for the 3DS. I know, but did we, did we rail on it and say, oh, 3D is dumb? Um, we were. That sounds like something we would say. I think we were more concerned. Well, like we, we did as we often did. We were more concerned about the software. Yeah. As unsurprisingly. And we, and we had good reason to because it turned to out that it didn't have software for a while. That was. Well, you can say that for just about anything at this point. Like PS4 and Xbox One don't have software right now, but, but it'll, fi- it'll fix itself in time. Yeah. And we did four minute warning, mm-hmm. of course. And one of the four minute warning questions that I picked out, which is really funny because it's just the indicative of how what's old is new again is always a, a true, true statement. Uh, was this question, are hardcore gamers becoming way too jaded about games with inflated and misplaced expectations? Does every game have to be something new? Oh, the more <laughs> things change. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. See Still a d- valid question, I suppose. <laughs> and how do you feel about it today in 2014? Well, I think 
if anything, that has even ramped up more. I think 2013, one of the defining characteristics of 2014 or 2013 this last year was how much the rage of the internet was sort of, uh, you know, untethered. It was just, (laughs) there was so many things that the fanboy community got riled up about and, and were, were, you know, setting fire to things on on the internet but about. at the same time focused outrage turned out to be very effective as we saw with the xbox one drms and yep. as we saw with every with the which uh, is uh well, yeah that's the big one actually that's, a, that's all i can think of but that's the big one yeah and we have seen a new uh, we've, we've seen a lot of energy in indie games and i think it's a direct result of that being an outlet for new the True. new the indie game is the is the you know the vanguard of the new the vanguard of yeah here is the next. Here's a new game. Let's let's play it's around. It's where this risks mechanic. can be taken. It's where ideas can be tested. It's where uh, really interesting art styles can be explored. It's where small teams can make big game. I mean, not you know, obviously, No Man's Sky looks like a very big game. Uh, it's it's where these ambitious, interesting, as you say, new products can can come from. No big publisher in their right mind would look at something like Octodad and take a chance on that, but that's where the indie developer come, comes Which in. Which is that's awesome. How you get that, that's how you get that experience. And then finally, that iPad. How about that iPad? Yeah. So four years later, it's interesting to sort of think about what iPad and iPad gaming has and hasn't been. Remember how our minds were blown when, when uh, 2K first said that they were going to bring XCOM to the iPad? Yeah. Uh, and it and it's perfect. It's almost like a you know. It's well, like, it's it's, it's and almost here like, this week. Well, we got Baldur's Gate two, yeah, which yeah. is and, and and the expansion. It's everything. I mean, admittedly, it's two gigs, but the fact that is that you can now on your iPad play Baldur's Gate two, and it's cheaper than the PC version. It's fifteen bucks. Yeah, it, it would have been interesting if we could have uh, gone back in time and told ourselves in that first episode that this new iPad thing would interface with the new Xbox and new PS. That is a really interesting. We yeah, never interesting would have element. believed ourselves. It so I don't been, know if we never would have believed it, but we would have. I think it would have been an eye-opening sort of. Oh, wow! That's a great idea. Yeah, but you know, it's it's interesting how in in four short years it's it's it has become such a major part of what these platforms do, and I think that this year. Well, you were be, compelled to get an air right off the bat. I was. And how do you like your? I mean, I can love it. And, I really and do. What do you play? It, I don't so play think about much this on way. it. Think about I it this way: games. relative to what you thought tablets' potential might be in ten, hmm. what's the reality in fourteen? It's not much different, to be quite honest. I mean, it still is the convenient web surfing email response device mm-hmm. that I use when I'm sitting in front of my television or I'm just lounging around or right before I go to bed, I still can watch. It's it's a it's a media consumption device. Uh, I don't really game on it. I I don't think I would really want to play XCOM on it. I don't I'm not compelled to play those kinds of games on it. I'll play a board game here or mm-hmm. there on it. Um but mostly I use it to surf the web and answer email and use Twitter. And that's, you're you're not sold on the second screen experiences of games like oh, like The Crew that's going to come out later this year. Oh, I'm Rising. very much interested in trying that. I'm very much interested I mean the Division what they were showing with it and I'm definitely interested in in trying that, but um I I mean I'm that's not why I bought the iPad. Right. You know? 
that's that's a nice cool thing that I'm excited to see what what it turns yeah I out find to be. I find four years later it to be far less uh, the buzzword that was used at the time disruptive mm. than than I would have thought that it would even be because it hasn't disrupted well it hasn't things. replaced anything it created a new exactly a new it became use its case. own thing it, it's, yeah oh I was gonna say it supplemented it but. Yeah, and the games that I play, much much like we talked about while we were talking about the success, the resurgent success of the DS based around its great software, is that the fact of the matter is that the game that I'm going to play on a tablet is not a game that I'm going to play on my 3DS or maybe my Vita. And the game I'm going to play on my Vita, and my 3DS, frankly, I don't really want to play on my tablet because, and I and you know what, if I'm going to hook a controller up or do something like that, then I'm going to use a dedicated game device because right. at that point now I've crossed the line. Right. I've crossed the line into dedicated gaming, and once I'm in the dedicated gaming, then I want a dedicated gaming machine. Right. Yeah, yeah, I understand the point of an iOS controller, but at that point, why not just go to your PC or go to your laptop? Yeah, and there are fun things that I do on my tablet. There are fun games that I play on my tablet. I think the games in the vein of Plants vs. Zombie, mm-hmm. very fun. You know, I mean, recently, you know, Castle Doom Bad. I thought that was a great translation, mm-hmm. but it's games that it's games that aren't games that I would be playing in different situations that I consume in wholly different ways in different chunks in different places and times and it hasn't disrupted my existing gaming time it's added in a different gaming time and that's kind of cool and I'm good with that agreed yeah Oz thoughts about it Andrew thoughts about that are you passing on well um it's 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 the games like Rayman Jungle Run that I'm more interested in like those those types of auto runner type of things that I can get on my iPad but I won't I also won't dump on the wonderful job that they've done with iPad ports like Baldur's Gate and like XCOM. There, I can't even begin to imagine like how they how they managed to take those Xbox those neck those I guess current gen now those current gen experiences and bring them to a tablet. It really it really astounds me. Another thing that would have been interesting to go back and tell ourselves in that first episode was, hey guys, this iPad thing that's coming out, it's going to be so big that. Nintendo's next console is going to have a controller that's built around the same kind of idea. It's going to have a yeah. pad as its controller. That would have and, been that would have been mind blowing and not do so well, unfortunately. Well, yeah, but but the thought in- is there. It's a thought that counts. It's an interesting. Although you know, actually, maybe oh. this is maybe this is me being somewhat jaded. I might think as as advanced as the iPad has become with its internals. I might actually say that I would have expected the hardware four years on to be more powerful than it actually is. It's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful. We got retina displays since then. It, yeah. But with Moore's Law and the rate at which usually I expect technology to increase and expand, mm. I think I, I think I reasonably might have thought that it would be you know, more powerful than it actually is at this moment. Although maybe it's just untapped. And I think that that is part of the problem that Apple has is that the legacy of, of the uh, devices right. just keep them back some. I mean, same thing has happened with the OS updates that they do. Yeah. Which leads one to question, how disruptive will Steam boxes be? Hmm. Um, I'm not convinced they will be, but I hope I'm wrong. Well, there's a quite a bit of buzz, of course, in the uh, media during this past week because Valve has been doing its Steam Developer Days, which uh, press they're not invited to. However, developers have been tweeting quite a bit from. So that mm-hmm. kind of creates like this weird crosstalk of of stories and rumors and a number of things coming out of that. Um, but the big thing for me about this is that really what this is significant for would be it's Valve doing for PC gaming what Microsoft hasn't been doing 
and for some reason doesn't want to do for PC gaming. I mean, basically, they've abdicated the throne and and Valve are more well, than they willing. Did want to do it? They tried. No. They want the games for Windows was the want. They did, but they never did that. They never did this. They never well, they, approached it in this sort of very embracing, nurturing manner. And this is what's great about what Valve is doing. What's well, great the about- execution was poor, but. They wanted to. <laughs> they they wanted to be that. You know what? When you're Microsoft and you've been around as long as they have and you have as many people who are really, really brilliant working there, you don't get to make those excuses. You don't get to make those excuses. Yeah, the world at your fingertips. I mean, yeah. There's no reason that they couldn't have done this. There's no reason that they couldn't have done this sort of great, you know, bring together everybody. Bring together the people who make the hardware, the NVIDIAs, the AMDs. Bring together the engine makers, the Unreals, the Unities. Bring together the tools creators. Bring together the creation. Bring together the actual game creators. Put everybody in a room and let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about what we're doing with the platform. Let's talk about what's awesome. Let's talk about VR. Let's talk about the next evolution of the hardware. Let's talk about the next evolution of game game design and how it's going to relate to tools and and, and everything this is genius Mm -hmm. this is why valve gets it so right this is why they are on top of all this and this is why we get so excited about the promise of steam os and steam boxes and where valve could take pc gaming because microsoft has elected to not do that and one of the more understated stories of Steam Dev Days is everyone at Nintendo's got a free Steam machine to give them a chance to acclimate themselves to the platform so that yeah. they'll be ready to develop for it at some point. And I think that's going to be a big deal. In, in I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love what I love the move Valve's making right now. Let me I ask love you this the question. Moves making. Uh, am I going to be able to get a the Steam OS for my PC? Yes. I, yes, it, we know that for sure. Okay, we know and that Steam do OS. Know, do we know what it's going to cost? We Steam OS is free because uh, it's a Linux. It's a Linux distro, right. so you can you can install Steam uh, Steam OS on your PC right now if you so want. So I to. have a Steam box at home. Mm-hmm. If you want to, yeah, you absolutely do. Another thing that came out, uh, you, you talk about things not getting a lot of attention. One thing that came out this week that hasn't gotten as much attention as I thought it would is that they want to bring to the Steam OS platform music and video, and I think that's important. For the Steam box to be successful because of how important... They want to make it a living room experience. Exactly. And because of how important Xbox One in particular have, have proven this media experience under your television thing to be, yeah. having those boxes checked becomes important because now you're, you're seeing the utility. It's almost mandatory now for, for anything, for, for any of those consoles. If a box doesn't have Netflix, it doesn't deserve to exist. Pretty <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Can I say something? Those of, those of us at the table that have uh, uh, both next-gen consoles... I have, so, <laughs> so, so, so Sorry, not Garnet. Garnet. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, not birthday boy. Um, <laughs> so I have... Over what? However, how? What? A month now? Two months now that we've had these things? It's become clear to me that there is a significant difference in how Netflix performs on my Xbox One to my PS4. Which and one I, do you prefer? By far, the PS4. Yeah, yeah. By far, I haven't tried Netflix on my next gen consoles. I mostly use uh, my Xbox 360, and I use my iPad for Netflix. PS4. Join the future, goddammit! <laughs> I would I wouldn't read a lot into that. That's my question. Because for whatever reason on my Bravia built-in uh apps, yeah. Amazon Video works awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Like I turn on Amazon Video 
and it is immediately HD. There's hardly any like of that pixelated start to it. It's just right. immediately like full HD, and it never fl- never wavers. Okay, right. I ta- I take that. Back. I run I, I, I run Netflix on my TV, mm-hmm. and it's like in, in in like intermittently it will sort of come in, come out, come right. in, come out. I put the I put the I put Netflix on my Xbox. And suddenly it's like, yeah, yeah. my 360. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, now it works fine again. Right. So I, there's must be something that's weird with these different clients. And the well, way that's they my work. question. I don't is it unique it. to me? Because no, it's, it's not. And I take that back because I have seen a difference. The Wii U Netflix actually goes in and out every now and then, which is sad to say well, because PS, it probably has the best interface. The PS4, I get super crisp HD immediately. Mm-hmm. And the three and the well, even Xbox just, One, just interfacing because the uh, Xbox One doesn't use the, sta- uh, the standard Netflix interface, which right. is pretty much, you know, and which is what everyone has. Great. Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the problems is uh, at, at least on Xbox One, you have to sort of adhere to that Metro style and you have to yeah. have things. Uh, uh, connect enabled right so for me i do i do enjoy the ability to say hey xbox on go to netflix i do you know what? i want to be able to use that because i i have been using xbox one as my one input but the net, i hate yeah. having to switch over to ps4 anytime but, i want to watch yeah but then i hate netflix. being like xbox select and then wait and then select one play <sighs> episode you know like it's 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 a really janky experience i like not having to touch a controller but yeah, yeah by like easily the ps4 version of netflix is just better to use i think but it has better performance it too. also yeah it has better performance i would say uh I and think- it brings up a good point though my television app for netflix hasn't updated yet it doesn't have the new experience you know the oh, new really? full screen yeah so maybe that's why it's not i haven't tried that yet. i abandoned my television app of netflix very early on because it was so so in common i think there's a big difference between the the newer versions like uh yeah. obviously like ps3 has the new version as yeah, well yeah. but then you go to like apple tv which has a really janky version it's and weird. even then that's like pretty awful you know hmm. uh, i think i'm sure the newer clients are updated for super hd and stuff like that uh and mine is updated for super hd so maybe the, maybe you brought up an interesting maybe uh achilles heel of xbox one which is being forced to use their interface it adds adds overhead to the whole processing situation. They and they can't run it as fast. It's possible. It, it, it's a major bummer. Major bummer. Don't know. Uh, other Steam updates from the uh, show. The controller obviously was a beta. Yeah. yeah how, how, do we, how do we how do we like the controller now? I kind of like it with buttons now. Oh, I think that buttons was a almost. And you look at it now, you're Gotta like, oh, buttons. of course. Yeah, of course it doesn't, doesn't. But then it also makes it less unique, you know. At the, at that point, I, it's at that yeah. point, it's like, well, I already have a 360 controller. I already have a PS4 controller that I can connect to my Windows PC. Like, why why bother? I mean, it is true that the trackpads uh, theoretically will enable uh, games that traditionally haven't been able to be played on a controller, so like RTSs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is, like, I guess all the games that I demoed uh, with the controller at CES were all first-person shooters. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was Portal 2, and it was um, uh, Metro Last Light. And for me, I'm like, uh, I'm fine using a standard 360 controller to play these games. Although know? some of the tweets I saw over the past week say that Metro Last Light feels really good on a Steam controller now. Oh yeah, everyone's saying that 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 the controller now gives them that middle ground between controller between thumbstick controller and mouse and keyboard that they were hoping to find. The thing is, a lot of modern first person shooters are designed for console, so you know you, you don't really get. I mean, look at the reticle, right? It, mm-hmm. it it it's a giant circle, right? You you can't get the pinpoint accuracy that you used to get uh, in first person shooters that were designed with mouse and keyboard in mind, you know? Right. So, to wrap up the 200th episode, might as well have a little uh, prediction fun. Yay! 
back to the whole I love this buying and selling idea. So in episode 400, what will we say, Garnet? Steambox completely changed the PC gaming landscape or had no effect. What do you, or what effect do you think the P, the Steambox will the Steambox and SteamOS initiative will have had on PC gaming looking back four years from now? Four years? Yeah, since it's been four years. I think it will have some effect. I don't think it will have a large effect. I think it will have some effect. I think it will. I think that there's going to be over the next four years, there will be a a, a significant migration of, of games to that Steam OS. I don't think you're going to see these boxes, it per se, these machines compete with or or nudge out uh, consoles in the conversation. I don't think it's going to be like, oh. You know, am I going to get a Xbox One, a PS4, or a Steam Box? I don't think that's going to be the conversation. But I think that it, within the piece, the already established PC gaming community, there will be there will be an adoption of the Steam OS as a gaming platform. And I think that by and large, people are going to have dual boot systems. And I think there will be, I think there will be some advantages to having uh, significant advantages to having the Steam OS on your system for gaming. And that will make an ecosystem that is compelling and unique. And four years down the line, there's going to be, you know, your Steam community will live there. There's going to be, you know, this sort of multimedia uh, functionality. And the relationships that you'll have within the Steam community will make it significant enough to want to have it on your computer. I just don't think it's going to change the landscape. Osman? Uh, basically what Jeff said, uh, I think it's going to offer enough to be comp- to be competitive in the landscape. But I don't think it's going to be like the complete game changer that some people think it's going to be. Andrew? I want to believe in Valve because I think they're really smart and I think they're doing this to protect themselves. But a part of me thinks that uh, Microsoft will get their act together uh, and really come up with a way that brings the Xbox experience to Windows. And if that does happen and it really speaks to the mainstream consumer, I feel like I feel like Valve's efforts will be appreciated by a small set of people, but I think uh, I think Microsoft could be the bigger player in the long run. So it's it's really it's Valve is making all the right moves to protect themselves. It's really Microsoft's, I guess, job to either win or lose it. Right. It, it, mm-hmm. So it really depend. It Valve is doing all the right stuff for themselves. And it's up to Microsoft whether or not they want to be in a in a dominant position to decide where the future of PC gaming is. So I feel, I've given how focused they are on Xbox, I feel like they'll drop the ball. But if they have that like one Microsoft strategy, and you know they're really focused on making that Xbox experience multi-platform, then I think Valve's in a little bit of trouble there. My, my heart wants to agree with Andrew. My heart wants to. Well, my heart wants to take the Valve side. My heart wants to say. You know, the four-year prediction is that that this will have been the beginning of a defining moment, much as Steam was. Because when Steam came out, we had no, you know, we were not feeling it. We were, it was rough software. It had memory holes in it. It mm-hmm. was an annoyance. And now it is this thing the that standard. we, it's the standard. and We love it. And it's yeah. fantastic. And then Val's, that, that track record and, and their continuing passion for gaming and passion for being part of the gaming community really speaks to me on an emotional and you know like this is where i want gaming to be yeah, i'd like, rather yeah. valve to win than microsoft in like a million as, times as a pc over. gamer 
but I just I'm not confident that in that so, in that outcome. So my look would be that at the very least, I think that it potentially not potentially. It's not just to say that because I think that it sets the. I think we'll look back and say this was the moment that we started to look at the device that sits there and handles all the stuff as an appliance hmm. and move one step closer or move or took the big step forward towards that one console future. <laughs> well, the real question is in four years, uh, are we going to be gaming after we get home from flying in our flying cars <laughs> and taking jetpacks to work? And I mean, it's, we're already moving into the deus ex human revolution era. Cause did you hear yesterday that Google's already developing smart contact lenses? Yeah. Yeah, but that they like do but, your glucose. Or but whatever. but really, have you have you tried Google Glass? It's really not that amazing. <laughs> there's a it's long, hard to fit in your eye. There, there's a there's a long way to go, and the battery life is gonna be awful. My God! <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We reached the end of our battery life, so we will do as we always do: wrap it up with finishing moves, and then a quick uh, playoff tailgate after the. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be fun. That is an excited 49ers fan right yes, there. Yes, it is. All right, time for finishing moves. It's the weekend, and it's time for Finishing Moves. All right, I will let Jeff kick it off. I don't know what episode we started Finishing Moves. It wasn't, uh, it was a little ways in, but it's been fun. Finish him. Thank you so much, everyone, for supporting us for 200 episodes. This has been uh, awesome. I can't believe we're here. Uh, I would like to just quickly plug a couple of things. If you are in the LA area uh, or planning to be in the next couple of months, uh, I'm doing a play, which is why I have the funky, weird mustache. So if you want to see the stash, come to the play. Uh, but this is honestly, I've done a lot of plays. You probably heard me mention stuff before, but this might be the best thing I've ever been a part of. It is so much fun. And I guarantee, I guarantee I will make, I will give you your money back if you do not like this play. I think it's going to be, Money back guarantee. I honestly think it's going to be Sunday, so Sunday, much Sunday. fun. Uh, it's called the Thirty Nine Steps. It's based on the Hitchcock play, but it's her film. Uh, but it's um, it's done with only four actors, uh, people playing dozens of roles. Just incredible magic that happens on stage of creating train a train chase and an airplane chase and all kind. It's and it's hilarious. Um, Honestly, uh, I hope you can come. I have all the details at jeffcanada.com. That's jeffcanada.com with two N's and one T. Um, and then also, uh, every Monday we record a new episode of DLC on 5x5. Five five. We just started that show. It's all about video games as well. Uh, we're going to get these guys on the show as well. Uh, but Christian and I are doing that, holding it down. I think we're going to have um, uh, John Davison on next week, or as you're hearing this. Hopefully not Monday. by phone. <laughs> no, he's going to be Skyped in. Uh, yeah. But... Um, yeah, so uh, check that out, 5x5.tv slash DLC. You can uh, to get it on iTunes, you can get it on Android, you can get it uh, RSS, whatever you want to do. Ozzy. All right. Uh, I guess I'm just going to throw a quick shout out to the all, all the Shackers out there that decided to stream. The wonderful thing that one of the Shackers, I think it was either Fuel or Hemtroll, decided to do was they decided to put up an entire, an entire web page dedicated to every user's uh, Twitch stream which is a one a wonderful thing you can watch their live streams you can watch their highlights I'll probably throw up a link I'll probably throw up a link on the in the show notes but it's really cool and it's a great I- idea and I think it's wonderful how everyone's just embracing this whole Twitch idea and just kind of sharing their gameplay moments and kind of sharing like games that uh, people otherwise wouldn't play I think it's a really cool thing uh, other one really quick uh I've been playing Broken Age and I know I got the little few wires crossed and everything with the whole 
well, whether, you know, people can talk about it or not. But I'm so far a little early into the game, but my God, it's such a wonderful game. I I love the story. The story's a little... It's surprisingly hum. It's a cross between like it's like humorous and twi- and twisted at the same time. Like it's a really funny game, but it's also like a story that you can really get captivated by. Love what Double Fine's done with it, and I hope to have it finished by next week. So, you know, just keep keep an eye out on Shack News for that review. And you know, that's pretty much it. Andrew. Oh wow! There's I feel like there's a million things to talk about. Uh, we I just did the math for the Shack News Game of the Year uh, stuff, and really surprised by. By the entire list. Uh, so by the time this episode goes live, uh, you'll see uh, the bottom half of, of our top 10. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I'm also, I have to say, I Garnett, uh, now that I've started working on a game, I have to really, I'm just amazed at how much you've been able to do because, man, it is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> there's, so, there's so much stuff to take care of. and So well, many cats to digitize. Exactly. So uh, I'm at your disposal. Uh, really, uh, thank you for all the listeners that have uh, submitted uh, uh, their resume or, or portfolios. Uh, I'm still, you know, we're still looking for stuff. So if you want to check littleboxgames.com, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, and the last thing, I guess, uh, I'm moving to New York. So really, congratulations! Really, you're happy to move back. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy to. And and the the plan. Hope you enjoy wearing that tank top while you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the plan is to actually drive back uh, from LA to New York. It's going to be like a two and a half week journey. I'll I'll, I'll put. Uh, foolishly, I'm going to put up my itinerary online. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, um, and if there are any listeners that want to like grab a beer while I'm in 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 there. Uh, town, uh, feel free to hit me Are up on Twitter. Are you going southerly, mid, or northerly? I'm going through all the southern states, so I probably, uh, one of the reasons why I want to make sure that everything is online is that uh, if I don't update my my blog, the, the <laughs> blog is going to be uh, United States. Yes! United States! Yeah, yeah, that's the hashtag United. Uh, if, if I don't update yes. that every day, that it means that the hill people have eaten me. <laughs> That's a good thing to know. Good thing to know. <laughs> so, so please find my body and execute my will. Can I make you a small suggestion? Don't visit the hill people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think I want to visit them. But what if my car breaks down in the middle of like you know while I'm driving, just like three hundred miles to the next thing remotely resembling you know civilization? That, you know that the middle of the country is not the zombie apocalypse. You know that, right? I don't know. It's I've not. Ne- I've. I've only flown above it, and every time I look out the window, I don't, I don't see jack shit. So, so this is gonna, this is gonna be a eye-opening experience. And really, more than anything, uh, while I'm going through the southern states, I want to make sure that people give me great recommendations for what to eat, because that's that's the main thing. If I don't gain people, like, <laughs> Andrew, hey. Andrew's kind of a foodie. He, yeah. he really I, does like if, to eat. If I don't gain twenty pounds in just like barbecue fat by the end of the trip, then I've done it wrong. <laughs> You, you didn't drive by Kansas City at that point. <laughs> yeah, something. Like I'm that. very jealous of that trip, man. That sounds amazing. I've wanted to do it all my life, so really looking forward to it. And you, sir? Um, so I have. Uh, what do I? Oh, I was, I was a couple of things I want to talk about. One thing though that I was that I don't know what I need a platform to do like conversation about this stuff is I cut the cable this past week. Oh, and that's cord killers. With that's the, been a very interesting experience up, and eye opening, and I'm so far quite pleased with it. Uh, but I really want to support because this has been a great journey and I've been on and I've had the fortune over the years to work with some really fantastic people 
Among them, all of the folks who at one point in time were the game videos team at 1UP are now Area 5. Yes. And they have a new project underway that is called Outerlands. Looks cool. And I, I really, really love the artistic thrust of this, which is to do a six-episode documentary from our perspective as gamers of all the things and people and culture that have brought us our passion and love for gaming. Yeah. So it's on Kickstarter. They are aiming for a total of $210,000 for their goal. Right now, <laughs> as of uh, Friday morning, they're at $75,000 and a dollar. <laughs> There's a lot it's of great rewards. pretty good for launching yesterday. Yeah, it's pretty good for launching yesterday. Yeah. So that clearly, hopefully, I would presume they're on trajectory to make their goals. So, I mean, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't contribute. I mean, this is a great opportunity to support the sort of stuff that uh, folks have clamored for for a long time in the media business. And yeah, and no and one these guys know how to do it. They've done they've done documentaries before. They did the didn't they do the Last of Us behind they did, the scenes? They did do that. Fantastic. And they've guys. worked with Gran Turismo and yeah. I mean, look, it's it's all of my friends who worked there, and so yes, I'm supporting them, but I'm also supporting them because they're just awesome. Yeah. So uh, if you want to know, they've and they've been very transparent about stuff. I mean, we joked about it earlier, but you know, like of the money, fifty five thousand goes to the backer rewards, sixty five thousand to the travel, ninety thousand to the production, and twenty thousand if you get they get to the stretch goal to adding in extra folks for freelance help. I think this is going to be a fantastic production. If you've looked at anything that Area Five has made before, yeah. it'll be fantastic. So uh, yeah, Outerlands looks like it's going to be great. These six, guys that did the one six up hour show episodes and co op on Revision Three. These guys are, they know the stuff. It will be, it will be, it will be something that will be meaningful for us in the video game. Yeah. As video gamers for a long time to come, you know? Yep. And so there we have reached the end of episode number 200. Woohoo! Chills. 200. Episodes. Thank you so much, everybody. We wouldn't be here doing these shows if it weren't for you listening. And I can't tell you how very, very much it means to me to have had so many of you pour out uh, the support and uh, that's really just the support. Yeah. Just listening and enjoying what we do. I, I always want to make a very uh, fun show. And yes, we're going to make a new show. Actually, Jeff and I were talking about this earlier. So I think that the format we're going to take as far as how we're going to handle um, fundraising will be this. We'll do a Patreon for the show. Whatever the show is going to be. Uh, so I was a little, as Jeff pointed out last week, I was a little altruistic last week. I mean, obviously, it's going to take a lot of work for us to continue making the show. And, uh, you know, while I don't expect, I guess what I was trying to say last week is that I don't expect to be able to do weekend confirmed as my only source of employment, <laughs> but, uh, it's going to take a lot of work and, you know, we would love to be able to, uh, you know, receive some sort of uh, give and take for that. Hopefully we make something you like, and if Patreon's yeah. a good way to do it, then you'll have a way to support us. And as always, you know, I'm going to bust my ass to make it something that you guys will enjoy listening to and, and have a great show with as far as equipment. Uh, I'm probably going to get a website of some sort and just have a simple PayPal donation where I'll let you know how much we need for gear. It'll be like a Mac, some Mac, some mic stands and some mics and an audio interface. And I basically set up the same setup that I did at one up. I mean, that rig worked great for me there. I know how to work with it. Um, I'll probably talk to Tom Merritt some because yeah. obviously he's set stuff up more recently, but recording tech doesn't change that much over time. Yeah. I mean, well, we want, <clears throat> maybe we it's a faster sure M audio interface or something, but we, you know, we're not going to have the awesome folks here at Atlantis group, but we want to try to keep a high level of audio quality and it'll and be engineered. That's all enough. Part of what made the show special was that 
we sound good. Yeah. And <laughs> so. Jeff and I agreed that we're going to definitely be in the same room because we like that. Yep. That's something that gives us a unique thing. Well, so while I won't have the awesome, you know, tube amps and incredible compressors that they have here, you know, I'll run it. I'll run compression against it. And I know how to run all that. And I'm, I, I can go back in my memory and remember how to engineer some audio a little bit. I'm all right at it. Not really, not nearly as good as Micah, obviously. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, everyone here at Atlantis Group. We have two more shows here. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, we'll get to the point someday when we get to come back. Yes. That would be wonderful. That would be wonderful as well. All right, so there you go. Uh, of course, we thank the fantastic folks here at the Atlantis Group who've been with us through 200 episodes. Yeah. Dave uh, producing us all, all along that time. Through Ozzie, two locations. Through two locations. Yeah. And coming up after the break, wake up. Wake up. If you don't want to hear the tailgate, you're silly because this is this is the we're in it now. Yeah. Obviously. I don't even know why I'm picking anymore. My my picking has gone from amazingly great at the beginning of the season to disastrously awful at the end. But there you go. So that's your weekend confirmed. Episode two hundred, we are ghost. The new me can't stop my shine. This podcast is brought to you by Doghouse Systems. Get the best performance for your value with these high-end, powerful gaming computers. Whether you need a lightweight laptop or a robust desktop, Doghouse has you covered. Go to www.doghousesystems.com to see which system fits your needs today. All right, we are into championship weekend, and I could not have been more wrong last week if I tried. <laughs> I- Destiny brought us here, Garnet. Happy Blue Friday. Destiny. I see you're wearing blue on Blue Friday. <laughs> blue Friday. You're gonna be, it's going to be Blue Monday when you're so sad on Monday. Last week, I misguessed. Or misguessed. I misread the spread backwards Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, I thought the spreads were too big and they weren't big enough. Right. And Sunday, I thought they were too little and they were they they were fine. I Can I point like, out something? I may have gotten a couple of games wildly wrong, but I did get <laughs> what I did get right was I did I not say that. Uh, that Cam Newton was going to throw an interception in the fourth quarter that was going to seal the game. Yeah, I said it, he's, he's, it not re- he's not ready for the big game. Pretty yet. sure Kaepernick's going to do that this weekend. Oh, no, no. Kaepernick so, is not. So now that we're on this, uh, <laughs> so I have an idea for a friendly wager between you two. Oh, really? So I like this. He so still owes me a bottle of makers. I do owe you a bottle of makers. <laughs> Actually, I do. it's funny you say that. So I have a couple of shot glasses on order, and uh, I'd like to say that who, the loser between you two will have to take a shot of makers out of the winning team shot glass. Mm. Jeff, you got to take a it's shot of gonna, makers out of a Seahawks f- glass. Foul. Dave, Dave would have to take a maker <laughs> shot out of a Niners glass. Challenge I like accepted. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And then the winner, and, ha- the loser has to drink a bottle of champagne and, that has rotten. And, 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 <laughs> I think I already did that this week. And of course, it'll all go up on the Weekend Confirmed Facebook page. Right. Excellent. And I, I, I will say you have to drink the shot in the... Opposing team's jersey. Wearing, wearing the opposing team's jersey. Uh, do you have a Niners jersey? I have a... What the, yes, of course I have a Niners jersey. 
Tell me it's a cool one, like Cherry old rice. school. There you go. Yeah, I can respect that. You better, because that's before we became rivals. <laughs> All right, well, I'm gonna have to go different divisions. I'm gonna go buy a Patrick. Mine's Willis a 12th jersey. man one. Whatever. And Ozzy, yeah, that's not even a player. Nice run by your, nice run by your Chargers at the end of the game last yeah, week. Yeah, they you know they had a much better season than I thought they would, so I'm very happy with the way it ended. I'm a little sad that we were losing Ken Wisenhunt already as offensive coordinator, so that's a bummer. But you know he he helped save Philip Rivers' career, so I can't I can't be too mad. I tell you what, I would have been as a as a Cowboys fan, I would love to see a team. My love, I would be happy to see my team when I thought they were like in a position where they were punching above their weight anyway. Play as hard as your team played at the end of that game. Uh, they played their asses off. To Denver's credit, they really adjusted. I think the Chargers tried to go with their normal game plan of trying to like you know win on time of possession, and it just didn't work. Like, I mean, up so, front, yeah. But at the end of the game, they they the, they, they tried to make a comeback, but it just, Chargers counterpunched quite well, and Rivers. Rivers turned in a good game. I think they're. I Keenan think they Allen, got a, pretty good. Yeah, Keenan yeah, Allen. He's, he's going to go early in fantasy drafts next year. So yeah, I'm like, you think? Yeah. All right. So this weekend, well, we'll just go right to the could, punch. Could you not? Well, it's the games everyone wanted. It's, it's exactly at the, end, it's the, at the end of the, at the beginning of the season. What you wanted to see was Patriots and Broncos and yes. Niners and and. And Seahawks. Maybe we should actually do. Let's do the AFC first because we'll leave it to you guys. The rivalry at the end. I would also like to point out right now that the very first uh, tailgate of this season, we made our Super Bowl picks. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what yours were? No, I remember what mine. Were. I remember what mine were. Oh God, mine was Denver San Francisco Super Bowl. <laughs> so hmm. I'm sitting pretty, pretty, pretty good right now. Do have the rest of those picks in between now and then to work out the <laughs> same so much. At least, you didn't, so much. at least you didn't pick the Texans to make the Super Bowl. Oh man, that was a Ouch. that was a bad choice. All right, so over the AFC, you have the New England Patriots who looked surprisingly strong. That's another one I didn't have the courage to actually pick them. I keep picking against them, and they keep making me look stupid. <laughs> but uh, I did say it was going to be blunt all day long, and it was blunt. Well, all day when they long. put their foot down in the second half, they put their foot down yeah. with some authority. Yeah. I mean, with some authority, but that Crush, I was crushed our throats. It was, un- yeah. it was uncomfortable borderline. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that game after the halftime. Yeah. Patriots dominated. So you got those New England Patriots traveling now, though, to Denver. Yes. To face the Broncos. I think it's I think it's Broncos the, minus five at home against the Patriots. You got this marquee matchup of Brady versus uh, Manning. But I really think it's no Sean Marino versus the Garius Blunt. I think it's I think it's running game, running game, running game for both these teams. They will live and die on their running games. Yes, as yes, suspect, quarterbacks. As suspect as the Patriots secondary is, which admittedly Luck did not exploit well, although right. he did a couple of times. There were a couple of strikes to Hilton. That, yeah, but the Colts, the, the Colts do what they always do, though. They always fall behind by like two, three touchdowns at the beginning of the game. That was definitely a problem. But I, I honestly think that the running games for both these teams are more important than the passing games in this game. Okay. And I think it'll be a high-scoring game because both defenses are sort of which is not injured. to say, by the way, yeah, not to say that Denver's defense is that much better, right? But they, and they all they both have injuries. They both yep. both teams have injuries in the defensive side of the ball. Um, I I think this is a toss-up. I'm taking Denver just because I'm rooting for Denver. Um, so but you're throwing the five. You're laying I'm, the five. I'm laying the five, and I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be like a like you know forty two to. 31 oh my god i'd love to watch you know, that i think it's going to be a i brutal. want to watch that game yeah. i want to see that game uh i think it's going to be really close so i think denver's going to take it but i'm going to take the patriots and the points 
Taking the Patriots and the points. Any any other update? Update. Rich went with the Broncos, so we could have some. Oh, I, I, which I might, I might well be able done. to. I might be able to pull away a little further. Hopefully, so. Yeah, I I, I don't think the I don't think uh, Blunt's going to run wild like he did last week, but I think uh, I think Brady's going to get a, like three or four touchdowns today. Okay, that's fair enough, Dave. Where are you headed with this one? By the way, the uh, the forecast for this game is. Is not weather will not be a factor of it. Yeah. They're they're looking for Denver to actually have a high of sixty one. Goddamn global warming. Sixty one. <laughs> so uh, it's not going to be influenced. About the as game. absurd as our ninety degree uh, our ninety degree days out here in L A. Yeah, today. Yeah. I, I think uh, the Denver is going to pull away at the end, but I think it's going to be closer than five. I think they win on a field goal. So um, I'm going to go Denver with the win, but I'm taking Patriots with the points. Hmm. Fair enough. And uh, Andrea Renee went with the Broncos just before you pick. <laughs> <laughs> Micah, where are you on this one, brother? Down to the last two minutes of the game, and he is going with Denver mm, to win by a by TD. Touchdown, I okay. guess, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm in there with Denver as well. I just think that Peyton is uh, on a mission. And the same analysis I had last week, I, I was – very surprised by how authoritatively the Patriots put their foot down last week. I still think that without their tight end attack, like that, they're just really they they're missing a big fundamental part of their offense. I mm-hmm. think that their defense is still suspect. And while I do think that Denver gives up some points here, I think it's more like forty something to twenty something. Yeah, so. interesting. Wow, you're gonna think it's a blowout. I don't know. Down you the just lot, can't, down you the can't ever get out. The Patriots always find a freaking way. Yeah, I, I think Brady's on as, as much of a mission because I think he wants to erase all those Super Bowl losses to the Giants. God, my nightmare is a Seattle New England Super Bowl <laughs> because the, I have no one to root for. I have no one to. Root, I don't I, think I'll watch it if it's a San Fran Patriots Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, come on, it's the flipping Super Bowl. <laughs> well, maybe for the commercials. <laughs> Let's move up to uh, the Pacific Northwest. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Forecast uh, on Sunday at 6.30 p.m. calling for a high of 50 degrees that day, but only a low of 36, partly cloudy, so it does not look like it will be as inhospitable. Yeah, like last week, people didn't realize I was being tongue in I was like, oh, a little light rain at Seattle. Yeah, it's like freaking gale force winds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like an hour before the game, it was like 40 mile an hour winds and all sorts of crazy shit. And then it just stopped and... Typical Seattle became sunny. So here you go. It looks like it'll be a relatively nice day. You got both teams uh, on equal footing then. You've got the the Niners getting three and a half on the road. An insult. An insult. (laughs) It's only a half point more than the basic home team stretch. Oh, jeez. That's that 12th man. (laughs) Dave, your team's favored. It's your home game. You're rocking the jersey. It's going to be a slugfest. Um, What do you think? Oh, definitely going Seattle. It's going to be a slugfest. You know, the, the three and a half is killing me because I think it's going to come down to a field goal. But I, I know the Hawks are going to pull it out. So if I win and lose at the same time. You're okay with that. I'm okay with that. All right. I, get, <laughs> I feel you. You're okay with that. Jeff, counterpoint punches. All right. All right. Here we go. It is it is going to be a slugfest. This is going to be a defensive battle. I think you're going to have the early game be the big points game. And this game is going to be the low-scoring game. The 49ers have scored 23 points in their last three games. They're scoring 23 points again. We scored 23 last week, too, so it's going to be a tie. Now, you guys have scored <laughs> tw- more than 20, what, like once in the last five weeks? And we've beaten you the last couple times in Seattle, like 89 to 12. Th- oh! <laughs> 
yet. I'm just yet. saying. Ouch. That's that's what we call rope dope. <laughs> yeah. You guys beat us nine to seven. Congrats. So, so it's twenty three fourteen. Niners win. <laughs> Glory comes to San Francisco <laughs> once again. We walk we march triumphantly into the Super Bowl to take on Peyton Manning. Uh I think I don't think their your offense is is has any weapons? Who who does who does he throw it to? You, uh, you have nobody that you can just have compete. to run it, Marshawn. I mean, Marshawn. Yeah, by the way, Harvin not cleared yet. Not cleared. I don't know. If, I don't that think he's guy, play. Those hits that he took in that he game. He took two were monstrous brutal. hits. Brutal. The one where he came up and he had half the field on his face. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That Knocked one of his earrings out. Ugh. I, yeah. That was that was brutal. But you know, Anquan Bolden on third down. You guys don't have anybody like that. There's nobody on third down as like a go-to it doesn't guy. Matter. I'm surprised defense, that's the though. first time Bolden's name come up because I was surprised that you didn't immediately gloat to me because I made, you know, I was like, Bolden, the disappearing man. And then last week, yeah. Well, of course Huge. they rolled they rolled coverage up on Crabtree. And by the way, Crabtree made a couple of catches that he's were shit, man. Ridiculous. He is so all rad. I ugh. he's 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 but hit and VDs we, You do we, have VDs. We got we got you got to have VD. <laughs> that never gets old. <laughs> Uh, KJ Wright's coming back in the middle, six four, big man. So yeah, good luck. Yeah, I wish well, I you the Marshawn, worst. I hope Marshawn Lynch can uh, can can. And he's never had, you know he didn't have a hundred yard game against us. So ninety eight. I know it was hundred. <laughs> it was hundred. <laughs> Ozzy. Oh man, this is so tough because the Niners have been playing really well. But here's the thing: Caps had a couple of passes in the last few weeks that are like borderline interceptions that didn't quite get picked off. I think those are going to get picked off this time. So I'm a third actually, of his interceptions throughout his career have come to the Seahawks. Thank yeah, you. yeah. I think well, that, you are Mister <laughs> Statistics <laughs> over here. I, I, I Johnny think, Stats. I think Seattle doesn't have a lot of offense, but I think their defense is going to come through for them. So I'm going to go Seattle. Uh, you're dead to me, <laughs> Micah. Oh, he's also also a tough one. Oh, he's apologizing, Dario. He's going with yeah. the Niners. Yeah, I always knew I liked you. You're dead to me, Micah. You should you should leave uh, Andrea's and Jeff's. Or, I mean, uh, um, yeah. Let's let's, let's, let, let's leave Rich's pick for last because I'm a little eager to see what he okay. what he went with. Andrea went with the Niners. Sure, the Niners. Thank you, <laughs> Jeff. Sorry, Andrea. Dave. Yeah, I we, love you guys. Which one do you like <laughs> more, though? So, um, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Romo is going to really put it back together. You know, uh, he needs this uh, sort of moral victory. He's due for a big game. He's due for wait, a big game. Wait, it's not Kyle Orton time? It's not Kyle. <laughs> what about? I think John Kitten is going to come in and save the day for the Cowboys. He's a Pacific Northwest guy. Yes. Niners. Yes. Ooh. And I'll say Niners. Yes. I'll take it with the records that Andrea and him are throwing up. <laughs> Niners because Caps legs last week looked like they were running the game plan again that they ran i think about a year ago that really looked successful to me and if they could have that balance with crabtree and davis and bolden across the wide receiver lines and you've got frank gore that's the that's the point that you get to the threshold of enough offensive weapons to put even a great defense in jeopardy and i just don't see them getting beat up on the road that many times this is this one's personal for them. They seem to play the better on the, the road, and it's the step to the Super Bowl. Not not in Seattle, <laughs> I grant you, but I think that there's a chip on everybody. Like they know that they got embarrassed at your house, and I just and I, I want the three and a half points. Different. And I'll hey. be honest, I want the three and a half points because I think this shit. I think this thing. Game. I think this game is closer than I think it's like yeah. maybe a point. Yeah, all I gotta say is who let the Hawks out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Especially if who's rain- got it better than us? <laughs> no, if rain and wind aren't an issue, and you've got two good kickers. Oh, you gotta our, take our it kicker, to the house. Guy. Our kickers, the our kicker, thirty-three of thirty-five, bitch. Well, right. Both of them are very good. I mean, you gotta get the record keeper, but Hushka, or Hushka, whatever, Hushka, take it to the house guy. He's Dawson. He's pretty fucking good too. All right, so bring it on, uh, Dave. What? Who Rich is, went with the Seahawks. Uh, nice. Wise man. So, well, I'm only at head one on the win column. So. Oh yeah, so we've put 19 points against these. Guys. <laughs> yeah, these are these are. And if you lose, you lose 40. <laughs> All right, so oh, there you man. go, folks. This is going to be a great, <laughs> great Sunday of football. And only one more tailgate to come. And interestingly enough, that tailgate will be in the final show that we record in the Atlantis Group Studio two weeks from now as we get ready for the Super Bowl. So, which we're going to have to find a way to tell people exactly what the result of that was. Uh, no, we'll just put it in a rowboat, light it on fire, and push it out into the lake. <laughs> this season doesn't count! <laughs> Who's getting the sheep? You're, you're only saying that because Andrea's catching up to you. This season doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> All right, later, everyone. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Go Niners!